You are listening to Zen and the Art of Triathlon. Well, hey there, all you triathlon studs and studettes. This is Brett Blankner with another great episode of Zen and the Art of Triathlon. Hey, on this show, we have two interviews. You see, what happened is lately around the Zen Tri, the Zen Tri home studios, things have gotten a little bit busy, and I feel bad about it, and I was wondering what to do, and then I went out and totally redeemed myself and got two killer, killer interviews that we're going to put into one show. First, we're going to do Justin Metzler, who is a young pro, and we talk for about 45 minutes or so all about his training and what's going on with that and what it's like, uh, the path to becoming a pro and what he's going to do. And he just got a new bike and all kinds of cool stuff like that. And then we also have Mark and Adam from Endless Pools. And we're going to talk all about how an endless pool actually works, if you're in the market for one, how you actually spec it out, like how they're built, and then also how to know if you're in the market for one. I go on a rant about the locker room at my current pool and hairballs floating around in the in the water. And uh, we have a really good time talking about that. So I have both of those coming to you right now. Um, but first, I thought I'd do the Mark Marin thing and go on a, uh, a little rant about my uh, current latest, let's say latest, most ridiculous thing going on in my life. And I just left a super healthy place to eat called Salada. And I was going through the line and it's, you know, you go out to eat and you're trying, you're trying to do the right thing and eat healthy, you know, so it's a little bit overpriced compared to just junk food. And, uh, so I'm, I'm already paying a little bit more than I should for roughage (laughs) and then, then, uh, to get seafood on it, uh, is $3 extra, right? And I'm prepared for this because I've done this before. A few weeks ago, I ate here. And I'm like, okay, you know, I pulled into the parking lot and walked in knowing that this was going to happen and wishing it was different, but it's not. And I'm, uh, I get to the part where it's the seafood, you know, there's like crab and I don't know, a whole bunch of weird stuff I don't like. And then there's salmon. And I'm like, yes, I'll take the salmon. And I've made like, uh, you know, they, they, you go through the line and they put all the veggies and stuff on there that you point out. And they get a little frustrated with me because I'm like, and this, and this, and this, and this. <laughs> you know, they're like, when is this guy going to end? And I'm like, man, you're loading this sucker up. I'm paying 10 bucks for a freaking burrito. You're going to load it up with veggies. And veggies are good for you. But anyway, the, um, the salmon section comes along and... Uh, the the woman behind the counter um, picks up with tweezers almost. Um, <laughs> it's like the salad tongs thing, but it, to me it was almost like tweezers. Pulls up the tiniest piece of salmon I've ever seen in my entire life and puts it on the burrito. And I said, and I'm trying to be really nice. And I'm like, uh, hey, and there's a line behind me, but not terrible. But I'm like, um, can you give me a bigger piece of salmon than that? 
or the other half of that split piece that you gave me because uh, it's $3 for salmon and that's a really tiny piece. And there's another piece next to it that could go with it that if you combine the two would actually become like almost acceptable for paying $3 for even though it's not. And she just looks at me and can't believe that she's uh, having to deal with this crazy person. And um, she's like, what? And I said, can you, can you give me a, either a bigger piece or give me that, you know, the other half over there of the salmon? Because um, that's, the salmon's $3. And that's, that is not, dude, it wasn't even 50 cents worth of salmon. And uh, even though I know everything's overpriced already. And I'm like, it just doesn't even, doesn't even come close. And she just looked at me again. She goes, huh? And, uh, and I said, go get your manager if you want. Because I know I can talk some sense into the manager. And it's just driving me crazy. Oh, and then she literally ran away. She set the thing down and she said something like, Bertha, like that, and then ran off. <laughs> I, was, I was so scary. And uh, with um, you know demanding uh, good customer service that she actually uh, took off uh, further down the line and helped somebody else because I was just too overwhelming. And... Uh, uh, Man, you know, it's you listen to the Adam Carolla podcast and you you get the, the sense of like man, like people in jobs have no decision-making ability anymore and everybody's terrified to actually uh, you know, make a decision and do the right thing at the uh, right time and it reminds me of um, the opposite of that is Zappos, Zappos where they go out of their way to help the customer because it's good for for customer service, but it's not it's not a it's not the lady's fault and it's not Bertha's fault, you know, it's just whatever. And then I'm wondering, am I becoming that person? You know, am I getting so old (laughs) that I've become the old grouchy guy that, uh, demands, uh, more, more indifferent or better indifferent from a, uh, from a serving line. And right now I'm, I'm not, I'm young enough where it doesn't, uh, it, they'll, uh, kind of listen to me, but I think at some point I'll reach the age and I'll have enough hair growing out of my ears where I'm, they both, uh, think I'm crazy and just smile and like, cause I'm, I'm, uh, pretty harmless <laughs> cause I'm 90 years old, but I think that happens. Uh, anybody else out there have that experience? Let me know where it's just like, what the heck is going on? As you age, you get older, you start, uh, getting pickier and more demanding with good service, but then you start coming across. The downside is, so that's the upside, is you get what you want. I ended up getting my salmon, but the downside is, is you become this uh, crotchety old man or old lady that uh, people are like rolling their eyes that they have to deal with. And they can tell when you walk in because of all your scarves and cats and uh, your walking cane. But anyway, that's the uh, latest in my adventures in healthy food. I thought you might enjoy that. Okay, let's go ahead and get started with Justin. Um, I had a hard time picking who should go first with this interview because it's uh, with their interview, Endless Pools or Justin Metzler, because they're both so good. And um, I, fl- actually, I literally flipped a coin while I was in there. I found a, uh, I found a uh, quarter earlier, and I'm looking at it right now. It's in my hand. It's got some kind of something on the back, some kind of mountain and a dude, a hiker. So what is this? Shenandoah, uh, Virginia. It's a Virginia quarter. And I um, flipped it, and it came up heads. And 
the um, Justin has one head, <laughs> so I went with him, <laughs> and uh, and so he's going to be first. And again, he's about forty five minutes long. So if you want to skip ahead and listen, you're more interested in endless pools and how they get their stuff done and how their pools are set up. There's return channels going under the pool. Then um, you can fast forward about forty five minutes to um, to endless pools. And then come back and pick up the uh, young pro and how he's uh, doing things. So, dude, it's a podcast, man. You can do what you want. All right. And the other thing is that um, occasionally it's a little bit uh, glitchy because it's Skype. And uh, sometimes the connection gets a little bad. But it's not bad at all. And it's rare. And I promise you, you will be okay. Give yourself a workout and hold your breath when it gets Skypey glitchy and it'll increase your lung function. How about that? All right, here is Justin Messler. Let's go. Welcome to the next level. Hey, Justin, are you there? Hey, Brett. How's it going? Good, man. Am I doing video too? Can you see me? No, I can't see you. I can see myself and I can hear you, but... Let me see. How do I fix that? Not sure. Not really. Damn it. <laughs> How do see. I change it? Let me see. Uh, yeah, I got there you, I man. Am. Cool. Here, I'll look cool like that. No. Nice, <laughs> nice, nice. How's it going? All right, man. Good. Hey, you got on an Argon jersey. Do you ride an Argon? I do, yeah, man. I just got on it uh, this past Saturday. It's oh, awesome. We're going to have sick. to talk about that. That's a beautiful bike. Absolutely. I love their yeah, color the e- schemes. 118. Oh, it's beautiful. Matte yeah. black. And it's got like the red shine in the back. It's unbelievable, yeah. Oh, God, dude, I hate you. <laughs> I, know, I know. Everyone's so jealous. I know. It's it's sick. I love it. Yeah, they're, they're some of the prettiest bikes made. So Awesome, yeah, dude. Okay, so we have Justin Metzler with us. And he is a young pro. How old are you? Uh, 21. 21 years old. <laughs> so he's 21, and you're a pro, and you are training right now in Florida at a big Correct, training yep. camp. And we talked about uh, interviewing uh, before the camp, and then when you told me what was going on at the camp, I said, whoa, wait, hold on. you got to get some of that camp under your belt so we can talk about this stuff because people like John Cobb's there, and I want to I ask about him. And then, uh, let's see, how did you become a pro? What, what races did you do that uh, qualified you? So I had qualified for my pro racing license at a bunch of races when I was 18 and 19. I was racing the Elite Amateur Series and just kind of traveling around doing kind of more local races. I grew up in Chicago. You know, so I was doing High V, Minneapolis, uh-huh. uh, like Kansas City Triathlon, just, you know, mostly things that I could drive to. Um, I did St. Anthony, so I'd fly to that one. Um, so I had I had placed in the top three at a couple races, um, but then really what kind of solidified it for me was uh, I think I won the overall amateur at uh, Rev Three Venice by like thirty minutes or something. Uh-huh. Um, and then I, yeah, I had won the overall amateur at uh, at Oceanside. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's when I kind of decided, all right. It's time to step it up. Yeah, you're, and, uh, <laughs> you're too good. <laughs> yeah, well, so, honestly, I, I had thought about continuing as an amateur for all of 2014, and it was kind of a last-minute decision in January to say, all right, let's step up. You know, everyone was saying I was too young, but, uh, uh, yeah, I just kind of went for it and, yeah. and, and did it. So uh, what is it like 
knowing, realizing that, holy crap, you could be a pro at this? I think, you know, for me, I've just kind of always, I've always been on that exponential upswing. Like every year I'd continue to get better, continue to get better. So, you know, it was definitely an interesting moment where, you know, I'm I'm towing the line with, you know, my idols, guys like Greg Bennett and, and Matt Reed, you know, guys who I was just literally two or three years ago clinging on the fence waiting to try and get their autograph, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, man, it's a it's definitely an interesting and 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 cool experience, but uh, but yeah, man, that's it's cool. All right, so let's see. Well, how long have you been doing triathlon, and what was your background? So I played just kind of like regular sports when I was growing up, soccer and basketball. I was really into basketball because I'm a tall guy. I'm like six three, six four, um, and you know I just kind of played the traditional sports growing up, and then in high school, obviously, I just um, I wasn't really cut out for it. Um, you know, the, the competition just got too high. And, um, my dad was dabbling in triathlons just from the fitness perspective for only a year. And then he saw me just kind of not really figuring out what I was doing with my life and said, Hey, why don't you train for one of these with me? Um, and I was 13 at the time. And before I even did my first, I think I signed up for four more. So, I mean, I was hooked like almost <laughs> instantaneously. I, I just loved it. Um, but in the beginning, to be completely honest, I was running, we would struggle to run to my dad and I together, um, like 35 minute five K's. Oh yeah. Not, not even joking. We were slow, but yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we were, I mean, it was like a walk run type thing. Our long runs were five miles and, uh, my first Olympic distance triathlon, I found a piece of paper with my goal times on it. I think my goal time was three fifteen for an Olympic distance. Yeah. (laughs) So that was, that was kind of where I started from that. Yeah. Yeah. Just slightly since then. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so let's see. As you've gotten into it, have you uh, have you graduated yet from college? No. So I um, I went to the University of Iowa, uh-huh. and I'll graduate in, in May. Uh, but I finished my degree requirement already, so all I have left is gen ed. So I'm taking the remainder of my classes online, um, oh, and that's cool. what allowed me the flexibility. Yeah, it allowed me the flexibility to come down here and uh, nice and sunny, warm Claremont, escape escape the Iowa winter polar vortex that you know, yeah. grips the, grips the Midwest every year. And yeah, man, I'm out here and just, uh, enjoying it, loving it so far. I've, only, I've just been here since Monday. So it's been great. Um, we, I met, uh, Will Huffman, who's a pro and racing the world circuit. And, um, and he was going to Texas A&M and he got done with his freshman year and decided to drop out because once you get in, it's so much easier to get back in, especially I think if you have a good excuse, <laughs> like I was, yeah, I became a pro triathlete and I traveled the world. They're going to be like, oh, that's pretty impressive. I think we can get you back in. So, um, and he's probably, he's probably 19 now, maybe 20. And, um, I rode with him a few times and that was fun, man. That was really cool working out with him. And then, um, uh, but I interviewed the guys from diamond bikes, uh, a while ago. And I asked your question, which I thought they laughed. That was pretty funny, which is, uh, why are so many awesome pro triathletes from the Midwest, the upper Midwest, like you guys. So why is it? Why do you think? I don't know. I mean, it, it's hard to say. I mean, I, I tweet because I saw, I listened to the Diamond interview and uh-huh. I saw your tweet beforehand. And, and I was thinking that to myself and discussing it with my roommate back in Iowa. I was like, man, you know, we're starting to become kind of like the hotbed for American triathletes. And mm-hmm. I think I have to say something kind of similar to what the Diamond guys said is just the fact that, you know, it's hard living in the Midwest 
training. I mean, you have a guy like um, Starkwitz or Ben Collins. I mean, they kind of slug it out throughout the winter. And I wimped out a little bit this year, but I put in my, my good time and I got my good six to eight weeks in a five-hour trainer rides and, right. you know, smashing, smashing out long runs and negative 30 degrees. And it's just, I think just from a, a, ment- a mental perspective, it's, you know, it really toughens you up. And when things get, get hard, you know, out here when it's 75 degrees, I, I can't complain. You know, I, I've been mm. through ne- like a negative 30, you know, winter tundra, you know, complete snowstorm. I've run through that and yeah. getting out here, it's just, you know, the, the accommodations are plush. So it makes it easy. Yeah, I've noticed um, one thing that I'm not used to, and it's only happened to me a few times, um, is where um, bike bottles and water bottles on the run will start to freeze on you. Um, and then you can't hydrate because the bottles, the, the tops of the bottles are frozen, you know? Oh so, yeah. Yeah. And oh, that's, yeah. that's like, you know, Texas is the, I'm not on the very coast of Texas. So it starts getting into the Midwest where I'm at and we have these wild fluctuations in temperatures, nowhere near as cold as what you guys get, but the wind is nuts, man. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, you can point it into the wind. And I remember one time on level ground putting out like 250 watts just to go, I think like 12 miles an hour. I think, no, I think it was like 11 miles an hour on just totally level ground because it was so, the driving wind was so bad. So you got to, you can point it into the wind and then you've got, you've got a hill basically wherever you're going. And then um, another thing that works against triathletes is how expensive a place is. So um, San Diego used to be like the best place ever to live for um, triathlon. And it's so expensive that a lot of people leave um, and try to find somewhere else. And uh, Boulder's kind of like that, too. And I think with the community there, it's smaller so people can help each other out a little bit and they can they can live together, or, you know, share some expenses maybe. But in the Midwest, it's so much less expensive than the rest of the country. I think you can really – you can train and live for a whole lot less than other places. Yeah, that's a big part of it, and that's what is helpful as a young pro too. You know, like yeah. coming from from Iowa. I mean, I, living in Iowa City isn't all that expensive, and I don't really have outside of food costs. Uh-huh. You know, and and school. I, that's pretty much all I pay for, and then obviously racing and training. So, like outside of that, it's it's a pretty simple life from the Midwest, which is good. You know, it, it from that perspective also. You know, it, it allows you to singularly focus on all right all i got to do is train and chill and you know recover and and do my thing there's a lot there aren't a lot of distractions in Iowa, i'll tell you that <laughs> it's good yeah is that a jaybird logo on your shirt too it is yeah yeah we are uh the i'm part of the maverick multi-sport professional triathlon team this uh-huh. year yeah um so that was the camp that I was at this weekend. We we're sponsored by uh, by Jaybird headphones, yeah. and uh, yeah, they hooked us up with the the Bluebird X head wireless headphones, which yeah. are incredible. They're awesome, um, man. I've been. They right, are yeah. so good. Yeah, yeah, they're great. I mean, I I've just had them for a week, and I mean, ride like I I don't tend to ride or run with music just from a safety perspective, but um, like when I'm on the trainer, boom, so nice not having the cord running down your back. When I'm in the gym doing weights and and TRX, yeah. like swinging around, no cords. It's just it's great. Um, yeah, the Jaybird stuff is great. And they also gave us the rain and, uh, the rain, which is a, um, it's like a heart rate variability, um, activity sleep monitor device. So that's really cool too. Oh, cool. Okay. So you're six yeah. foot three yep. and about, about how much do you weigh? Do you think, or you probably know down to the gram? 
Like 165 okay. to 170. Yep. And then, uh, all right, so what's it like going pro and being 21 years old, a guy, and being a, a pro athlete, a pro triathlete? Are, are the late ladies throwing themselves at you? Or are you having to put up a fence around yourself <laughs> and have a bodyguard and uh, keep the groupies away? I, or is it not quite like I, that? I don't think it's quite like that. Uh, you'd think so that, you know, I'm out here, you know, shirtless running all the time. You'd think they'd be uh, they'd be throwing themselves at me, but... Uh-huh. I don't know. I feel like the the triathlon community is small. Maybe now that I moved to you know, Claremont for a little bit, a little bit more, I'll be surrounded by some more like minded people. But definitely, the Iowa college students. Uh, I think they're number. They were number one party school in the nation at one point. So yeah, right. I don't think they really uh, understood why I had to go to bed at eight thirty. And oh uh, yeah, that's rough there. Yeah. yeah, especially in the Midwest, so, like Texas A and M. We're in the middle of a prairie. It's a massive university, but there's literally nothing to do except drink beer and go to school. Right. Yeah. And one doesn't really work with the other. So it was just drink beer. And yeah, if you when you try to start getting into a sport or something like that, it conflict all your friends are like, You're what are you doing? I don't want to hang out with you anymore. <laughs> or they keep you up yeah, late. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, especially when you take it up to the especially when you take it up to this level, you know, it's like you know, I can't go, I don't go out on the weekends, you know, the people there don't really have that much of a, an understanding of what I have to do or kind of what, what it takes to, to be me. You know, none of, none of them are really balancing a professional career in addition to taking their full semester, you know, 15 credits or whatever it is of, of school. Um, you know, so they, they, a lot of kids there just don't really understand. So I'm, I'm glad to be down here with some more, more like-minded people who get it. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about the camp and what's going on. So this this is Team Maverick, you said? And uh, so the camp yeah. is uh, like a week or two weeks or how long is it? Well, actually, the Maverick camp was in Louisville um, and it was just three days. Oh, okay. So it was, this past, it was this past weekend and it was less of a training camp. It was more of like a... Um, come meet your sponsors, get acquainted with the new gear, kind of meet the team, uh, all the teammates. Um, you know, I hadn't met the director in person yet, so that was great. Um, the team manager, I mean, everything's kind of hubbed out of Louisville. Um, so I had the opportunity to, you know, obviously get all the new gear, but they flew in, um, a bunch of people to help us out with, you know, bike fits and, um, like spin scans and they gave, we got a bunch of talks and, you know, it was really great. So it was more of just like, a um, kind of get to know you introdu- introduction type weekend uh, to the team, but it was great. So, uh, have you sat down and talked with John Cobb yet, or did he talk to the team, or have you seen him yet? Yeah, absolutely. I had actually the chance to. He actually fit me on my new Argon. Um, <laughs> you are so, so lucky. That was man. great. Um, John Cobb. He came in, and I, I was John what's Cobb. That? John Cobb is a legend in the sport, and. And uh, he was the first one to be, oh, yeah. to put cyclists in the wind tunnel, and he did it with Lance Armstrong down here at Texas A and M. And I've been to his; he had a bike shop for a little while. In uh, yeah, so Tyler, yeah, it was great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I mean, they flew uh, Maverick flew in John Cobb, and he gave a talk, and I was able to speak with him during my bike fit, and I mean, his insight was obviously amazing. Um, from a fit perspective, from an experience perspective, I mean, he was just—he was great. Uh, and then he gave a talk to a live audience at, at this little party we had on on Saturday night, and that was great too. Um, so John was awesome. But 
Um, in addition to John, Alex Bach, um, the former owner of Team TBB, also came in. Uh-huh. Um, and that was also that was another thing that was just really, really incredible. Um, yeah. He was, you know, me and him were able to sit down and, and he kind of gave me some of the insider tips of what made Chrissy Wellington great, what made Jody Swallow great, what makes James Kunima great. Um, anyone who was on Team TB or anyone, Team TBB or people who he has worked with in the past, you know, he was kind of able to give me the inside scoop on here's what it took to be at that level. Here's what, it, you know, it requires from a sponsorship perspective, from a business perspective. And, um, yeah, I mean, John and Alex together, you know, made just a super, super great weekend where I learned a ton, um, especially because I'm still a new pro where, you know, kind of like a sponge. I'm, uh, you know, I'm just taking everything that I can learn and, and rolling with it. So, so, yeah, that was great. Is Maverick the new Team TTBB or or not? Is that going to go on? No. No, Team TBB is, um, I think they closed the shop this year or maybe last year. Mm-hmm. And I think Alex Bach now is working for Cobb, actually. Um, so that's, you know, Cobb is one of our sponsors. So uh, that's how the two of them got hooked up with coming to Louisville for the camp. Uh, so Maverick is its, its completely own team. This is the third year. And uh, the director is Chris Hutchins, who's a really, really motivated and, and great guy who's super, super into it. Um, and yeah, it really couldn't be couldn't be a better situation. So, what's your um, what are you doing in the past? Uh, what have you done for the past few days? And what does a typical day look like of training for you right now? Sure. Yeah. So this past week or so was kind of hectic because I drove from Louisville down to Clearmont, uh-huh. or from Iowa City down to Clearmont via Louisville. Um, so I stopped in Louisville for the camp and then continued my way down. So the early portion of the week was a little bit hectic. Um, but this week I'm kind of on a um, on a little bit of a recovery week, um, just kind of hanging out. I had a couple um, like a swim test and I had an FTP test uh, thir- on Thursday mm-hmm. um, on the bike, and I'm running a half marathon tomorrow. Um, just, <laughs> just kind of like just a an easy up, week. See where I'm at FTP type thing. tests and uh, and half marathons. Or you said a marathon yeah. or a half marathon? Half half uh, marathon. Oh, just a yeah, half. No, I'm yeah. not not doing doing any long quits long stuff yet. So yeah. what's your what's your FTP? Uh, so I tested at three eighty three. Holy um, crap, in January, man! So that wasn't wow. That is rad, dude. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, so. so that's what it takes to be a pro. <laughs> three eighty three. <laughs> yeah. So it, you know it was a good test, and I'm I'm starting to feel good. The bike fit's starting to feel good, and you know especially yeah. for January, I couldn't I couldn't complain. I was I was happy with it. Wow, man. Okay. So what do you do in training? What have you done over the years to get your FTP up so high? What kind of what kind of work do you do? So actually, in the past, I was with um, a guy. A, a guy coached me. Uh, this dude named Craig Strong out of uh, Evanston, Illinois, uh-huh. and I was with him for my entire career, from the time I first started triathlon when I was thirteen up until uh, like the, this jan- this uh, November or so. Um, and he, we just kind of did a mix of everything. I mean, he just slowly built me up, built up the intensity, built up the running, built up the cycling. Obviously, I mean, I was coming from a three-hour Olympic thing, so every year we were just a <laughs> yeah. little bit of, of of something, you know, whether it was tempo or short intervals or VO2. I mean, we just we just kind of covered the whole gamut um, and, and did just a little bit of everything yeah. throughout the course of my career. Um, and then I just felt like it was time for a little bit of a change, so um, I switched over to Jesse Kropelnicki at QT2. 
um, in November. So I've been working with him uh, for a couple months now, and uh, it's going it's going incredibly well. Um, yeah. So things are things are going great. Yeah, Jesse does a great interview. He's been on on Zentry a couple times at least. So I definitely like his coaching style. I like him and mm-hmm. um, Joel Filiol as well. Yep, is a really good coach. And um, I think Joel posted on Twitter a few days ago that it, it, for biking or yeah, I think it was for biking. Or maybe it was just everything in general. Like throughout a week, you do a mix, like you said, a mix of everything. You know, you do high intensity, long and easy, just whatever you need. I think you kind of balance it out. So, yeah, Jesse's Jesse's program is absolutely completely different than anything I've done in my life. Um, yeah. The season is very broken up specifically in terms of phases. So, um, I'm actually just finishing the base phase of training right now. Where I mean, I was doing you know every week I was getting in just tons of bike volume. I'm biking more than I ever have before. I was running like between 60 and 70 miles a week consistently all of last year. Yeah. Um, so Jesse's brought that down way, way down, increased the biking, increased the swimming. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been in the gym just a ton because, um, you know, I'm sure you've maybe seen some pictures or people can go check out my, my pictures from last year, but I'm, I'm not – muscular guy so um that was definitely a limiter that we were looking to address this year and uh yeah i've been in the been in the weight room you know throwing around a little bit of a little bit of weight um, Wait, does which jesse, is really i've seen some de- huge benefits from that too does jesse coach uh rachel joyce uh i think she, he coaches angela nath and Lindsay corbin Lindsay Corbin. um those are a couple big names i don't i don't think i don't, I don't know about rachel um, um i know that he's um that jesse's big in the strength i'm getting the, everybody nice and strong so, and it ends up when I do that, when I start incorporating a lot more strength work in, you can tell you're just a whole lot more durable. Like you just don't fatigue from the, from being on your feet as, as long and the hills don't seem to bother you as much. So it's nice. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I noticed that just because I was so, so strength limited starting out the year, um, before I started with Jesse, you know, the gains have been pretty pretty exponential i've seen them you know just from a phys, you know physical perspective yeah. um i can see the the changes going on um and part of that is probably because i'm still young and you know i'm i'm adaptable and whatever kind of the new training stress comes on i'm going to respond to it. Yeah. um yeah but i mean jesse's jesse's coaching style is you know he addresses every component that you can imagine um i mean he's dialed in my nutrition he's dialed in my uh, training fueling, racing fueling, um, you know, it, every, you know, prehab, you know, anything that just getting me prepared to not be injured, that type thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's, he's just, you know, he's got the whole gamut. He, you know, he runs across it all and makes sure that every variable is, is considered, um, which is really, really nice. Um, what do you, uh, what do you think your FTP was before you got started with him? Did you, do you think he made a big bump from working with him and doing all this? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, since I've been working with him, it, I think I gained 12 watts on my FTP, so I was yeah. right around 370 or so, 371. Yeah. Um, and we haven't even done any intensity yet, so <laughs> golly, yeah. It, yeah, I mean, I'm just I'm just absorbing all of this aerobic work like incredibly well. We, I mean, we literally all all the intensity that I've done has been just some um, field tests on my own, just to kind yeah. of seeing how the progress is moving. Um, and it was a little slow there for, for a while, but then this last like 
three or four weeks have just kind of like been clicking and things are just starting to move really, you know, back to where I was plus just a little bit more without having to really, you know, without even starting the, um, without even starting most of the hard stuff, which is, which is great. So you said, um, that he's more, less of a volume guy. Well, than what you were doing before. Right. And, um, well, how much volume do you think you're doing Um, right now? Well, I wouldn't say that the volume is any different. I think that the distribution of the three sports is is much different. So I think before, I mean, I've always kind of been like in the beginning part of the, you know, like when I'm in the base phase, more in the 20 to 25 hour range. And that's probably where I'm at now, 20 to 25. Um, but, you know, when you pick it up and you start, you start really hitting it, um, you know, it'll, it'll get up there in, in probably like the 30 range. Um, and I was I got there last year a couple of weeks, you know, where, where things were, were getting consecutive, consecutively hard where I was putting in 25 to 30 um, of, of high-intensity hard weeks, you know, a couple in a row. Um, so I think for now, uh, I'll start a little bit of that now and kind of get into the intensity. But then actually um, uh, Jesse puts on a three-week camp for all of his pros in Clearmont um, where he brings all the pros down. He's here. He's got all the coaches here. And we just go as hard as we can for three weeks straight. Cool. Are you um, gonna you're gonna tweet us a bunch of pictures of that so we can see? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'll be I'll be all over the social media, man. Uh, <laughs> oh, what's your Twitter? As much as I, what's your Twitter account name? Uh, at Justin underscore Metzler. Metzler. Okay. Yep. Um, I have a couple more questions for you. Uh, what did the FTP test? What was it like? Was it a twenty minute, or you do longer than that, or what? <laughs> Yep, it's it's uh so I warm up for 25 minutes just kind of like aerobic um and then right into 3 minutes all out 10 minutes at like as easy as you can go essentially like 50 to 100 watts and then um and then 20 minutes all out and that's the test. Okay. Yeah, that's uh that 3 minutes to kind of warm your body up a little bit. Yeah. yeah. And I think Jesse looks at the ratio between the 3 minute um powers and heart rates and the 20 minute powers and heart rates i kind of let him do the math but um but yeah i think that's that's something that he likes to look at and it's pretty standard that's the one that that we've been using and that was a test that i had done with my previous coach anyway so it's good to track the progress there so i think jesse's the one that really pushes uh people getting um more fuel in while they're biking and uh so they can run better in the uh, marathon did he did they talk with you all about that at all about how to do that well, about the fueling? Yeah, about getting in more fuel so that you can uh, run better. Oh, yeah. That was something that we changed. Uh, I mean, because I, I thought I was good at it before. Yeah. But I, I honestly had no idea. Um, so, I mean, I totally wasn't doing enough fueling. So, yeah, that's Jesse's biggest thing is giving your body the fuel it needs during before, during, and after the training sessions because at the end of the day, what makes you faster is training hard. And going out there under fueled is not going to allow you to pre- execute each workout mm-hmm. efficiently. So, you know, right at under Jesse's program, I am before the session making sure I'm getting in, you know, a good number of carbohydrates. Um, during the session, fueling consistently on a schedule with good, you know, high quality carbohydrates during the um, during the training session and then immediately after the training session, super, super focused on getting in the recovery drinks of protein and carbohydrates. Um, yeah. And then outside of that, just eating super, super clean. So what do you, um, what are you using for fuel then for the pre? Yeah. So, 
Yeah, so uh, pre-workout, I'm more of a fan of like kind of just like whole like regular food, real food rather than sport food. Um, so a big one for me is like rice cakes with almond butter and and uh, and some jam on there, and maybe a banana or something like that. Keep it pretty simple. Uh-huh. Uh, um, and then during training, I'm I'm doing um, sports drink on the bike. So um, Infinite, I'm a big fan of Infinite. Um, the team is sponsored by Infinite, so. I use that on the bike, just always drinking that, um, drink that in the pool, just making sure that I'm getting in the sports drink for the electrolytes and the carbohydrate there. And then every 30 minutes, um, I'm taking in half a bar or a gel of some kind um, in addition to that. Oh, wow. So just really getting on top. Okay, so I've tried upping my fuel a lot, and it works. But where I run into a problem is digestion, right? Well, if you're on the move. So what do you, what's the trick? Do you just add a ton more water on top of that so you can suck it up or what? Not really. And it's been kind of a learning process because, you know, I did come from not eating that much. Yeah. In the beginning, I know that it's a little bit of time to adjust to that, that increased load of caloric intake and just from a carbohydrate perspective and sport perspective. But, um, Jesse's whole thing is you train your body and the body is adaptable. So, you know, if you continuously and you're always giving it the fuel in every training session, always consuming sports drink, always consuming gels, always consuming bars, your body's going to adjust to that. And then over time, you won't have those issues. Um, So in the beginning, it was, you know, my body was like, hey, what what are you doing with all this fuel on board? And now (laughs) as I've been in the program for a little bit um, bit longer and yeah, doing that, doing that fueling strategy, it's, it's fine, you know, totally no problem. So, um, yeah, yeah, I've done the same, I've done the same thing where, um, because I was eating clean and also not eating all that much during workouts because I got kind of sucked into the going low and trying to adapt your body to not needing as much or whatever. And that sucks. That's like no oh, – yeah. it's no good. Um, and then um, – so I'm learning about like what works for me for like pre-workout kind of fuel and what works during and what works after. And – um uh, so I was just curious, you know, like, yeah, so the more you do it, the more you can actually train your body to to soak up. And, um, yeah, and, and it's true for sure. Like, definitely during and after, the more you eat, um, you are going to absorb uh, the workout, the training load. The next, the next day, you will be able to work out a whole lot better because – you've, uh, fueled your muscles to, uh, improve. Um, let's talk for a second about the swim. I think hardly anybody that's not elite, very elite or, um, or pro, uh, knows about this, um, about fueling during the swim. Um, I learned a few years ago to take a fuel bottle and put it by the side of the pool. And I stop every 10 minutes, 15 minutes or whatever, and take a chug and I'll actually have fuel I go through the effort of actually having a fuel bottle or food or something like that and then uh, a water bottle uh, to help in case the fuel is mixed too strong and I don't know it yet or something like that. And um, But I think a lot of people go through their swim practice and they'll go for 45 minutes to an hour or longer without eating anything. And um, but you, you guys don't do that, right? You actually fuel you bring fuel on the side of the pool. Yep. Yeah. For essentially any swim that's of any substance or intensity, I always have my, you know, just bottle of sports drink on the, on the side of the pool. I'm getting in that. If it's anything super, super hard, bring a gel. 
um, or super long or in jail and just make sure them getting that about halfway through. Um, but you know, I think that the, the detriment of going and depleting yourself in a session like that, like for example, I know a lot of people go out, swim 5k hard and only have water on the side of the pool and you're going to deplete yourself so far that you're not going to be able to either a hit your sessions the next day, hit your session that afternoon. I mean, you always want to be able to, um, you know, do the session and feel really good about it and yeah. be fueled and have the energy to, to go out there and, and get it, get it done. Yeah. So, and so people will say, well, you know, during like an Ironman swim, you're going for an hour, uh, or so with no fuel. And it's like, well, yeah, but you're loading up on fuel before the race and you're so topped off with glycogen. It's okay for that. Um, but, uh, and you know, what really surprises me is I grew up on swim teams but this was in the 80s, and uh, we never had any kind of fuel on the side of the pool. We would go an hour, hour and a half with no fuel of any kind and just be just wrecked by the end of the swim practice. And and there's a swim team I see practice all the time now, and they, they do the same thing. They don't have any fuel at all. And I was talking to a swim coach a while ago, and I said, man, you guys want to win your swim meets let tell your swimmers to bring like a bottle of Gatorade or something like that to the side of the pool. And, um, they will become so much faster. I mean, their races are like 30 seconds to, uh, to just a few minutes, you know, and, uh, the, they'll get so much stronger every day with, if they fueled while they swim. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, now, I mean, because the, the 70.3 game is just getting so, intense and all the ITU guys are coming up. I mean, one thing that we did this year was said, Hey, we got to work on my swim. We got to make the front pack. Mm -hmm. So I've been swimming so much. And you know, it just, when you're swimming with that consistency and swimming every day, you know, you want to make sure that you're getting, getting the fuel right. And you're getting your sessions completed properly. Because if you're not, then, you know, at the end of the day, you know, starving yourself during a pool session is, is going to be problematic. And, you know, I I really want to make sure that my swim training is as top notch as I can make it, you know? Yeah, and I've noticed the more that I fuel during a workout, actually the healthier I can eat outside of the workout because I'm I'm fine. I feel good. And so mm-hmm. I'm not craving all kinds of crazy crap because I've I'm fine. I uh I fueled enough during my workout. So I'm not gonna go walking around eating a giant bag of potato chips um at eleven o'clock at night because I I didn't eat enough, you know, during my run or after it as well. Yeah, absolutely. And that's where the recovery drinks come in and they're a really big portion of it too. You know, you're getting whatever, any session essentially, even if it's an hour easy spin, I'm doing recovery drink afterwards just so you don't get that, you know, that kind of like rubber band effect where you're not necessarily hungry right after the session, but then you kind of like binge on a ton of food later. It makes it so you're totally level, kind of totally even throughout the day. You're not getting super, super high energy spikes. You're not getting those super low lows. Um, You're just kind of like even steady, super solid, you know, able to do your training and feel good. Okay, well let's let's wrap it up for today. We're gonna have you on more podcasts, but let's let's wrap it up with uh, tell us about the bike. So you said it's it's blacked out. Is it murdered out, as we like to say? It's it's more or less. It's red and black are our team colors, so that uh-huh. kind of worked out nicely with the uh, with the Argon scheme. Uh-huh. Um, so it's kind of like a matte black in the front. And it's got some like red in the back, and we're sponsored by Envy Wheels. So those oh, are just so wow, stick. yeah, those um, are awesome. We got these really. Oh yeah, there and yeah. we got I mean we got Shimano D11 speed DI2 on there. I mean the bike <laughs> is is pretty. So I yeah. mean you can head over to my Facebook page and check it all out and see the pictures yeah. and everything. I'm 
um, trying to be pretty good on, on social media, getting getting just some stuff out there for people to check out, you know, follow along on my training and, and kind of see what's up. So, yeah, I think. Um, oh, did you get a power meter on the bike? Did you get a power yep, meter? Yeah. Something? What do y'all have? We're sponsored by we're sponsored by Rotor. So, oh wow, we nice. got the uh, the Q rings on the drive side, and uh. then the new LT power meter on the left side. So it's similar to like a a stages, but it's actually in the uh, um, in the crank itself. So it's uh, it's a crank based power meter, but only on the left side. Um, and it's great. I love it so far. Yeah. I've got rotor cranks on my road bike. Um, the elliptical cranks and, uh, they're just awesome, man. I freaking love them. They're so good. Uh, oh yeah. Uh, so let's see. Yeah. With, um, I think people are fascinated with what it takes with, to be a pro and, um, the training and the, like every facet that I think once you get into being a pro, you know, you're tired. And so you don't, it's hard to go through the effort of documenting kind of what you're doing, but, um, you know, the more that you just on your, uh, on your phone, if you set up a YouTube account on your phone and you just walk around your bike for 30 seconds or a minute and just kind of point out what's on it and post it to YouTube. Right. Sure. And then I can can do that. Yeah. Yeah. And like your shoes and then also like around, you know, like what you're eating and stuff like that. People just start, getting so involved they think it's so cool um and then uh and then you can get this huge following and what and nowadays um uh age groupers have proven this because there's a bunch of us age groupers that are not putting out 380 watts on the bike (laughs) but they get sponsored (laughs) because they have a good social media uh presence right and so if you're a pro and you're as fast as you are and you do a good social media presence you you'll be set for life in the in the sport because the the sponsors will just love you you know and because uh, you're and I think it's like a habit that you set up of like doing all that so um, you reached out to me to get to get on Zentry and I think that's a really good sign that you're gonna do really you're you're really smart with what you're doing and um, and I'm yeah, glad you reached you. out to me first <laughs> absolutely so yeah, I, wanna, well, I love the podcast man I listen yeah. to it all the time so I figured you know if you if you were uh, nice enough to have me on I'd, I'd love to chat so it's yeah, great. We got to have you on a bunch, man, and kind of see how you progress. So, uh, what races do you have coming up? What's your first thing? Yeah, so I'm uh, I'm heading down to Puerto Rico 70.3 for the first race of the year and that'll just be kind of like get the feet wet, um, kind of see how the fitness is coming along. Um, and then 2 weeks later I'm heading down to Brazil for the uh, the Latin American Pro Champs. Um, cool. So put my you know put my hat in the in the big ring and and see how I can how I can go against the the big guys. So I'm sure that'll be probably one of the you know the highest contested races of the year. But um, yeah, trying to get some uh, some points racked up for Worlds in in August and yeah. see if that's a possibility. So I wanted to head to the uh, the big races. So I'll do Puerto Rico, um, Brazil, and then I'll do St. George as the first three, and then kind of reassess where I'm at points wise after that. Okay. Okay. Have you been to Brazil before? Nope, this is my first. That'll be my first international race. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I just got my visa and I'm all set to go. Got my flights booked. So, so uh, who, looking forward to it. Who pay? Does the team pay for the the flights entirely? Uh, not entirely. Uh, you know, we get a little bit of help from the sponsors, but yeah. um, right now it's me and and mom and dad. And uh, yeah, it's, <laughs> we got the, you know, mom and dad are definitely the the number one support. Crew and I try yeah. to I try to help out. I got you know won a, I won a little bit of money last year from just race prize yeah. money, 
wasn't a lot, but it was enough to kind of front me for at least the first three races. So right now, just try and stay even. You know, as long as we're not right. dipping into the red, that's uh, that's good as a second year pro. So. I think. I think. So I mean, you've graduated or you're graduating from college, so your parents got to be happy with that, right? So you got oh, yeah. that under your belt, so you can always fall back on that. Um, and then the other thing is that. Um, you know, becoming a pro that make can make a living off of it takes a takes a few years, so it's an investment for a while while you get that good, and then, um, but it's an investment that's not like it's not like time lost, you know, because you you can go apply for with a college degree, and then um, they you go start applying for jobs. Let's say like three four years. Let's say you get injured or something like that, you know, and um, or five years from now, you, you're like, you know what, I don't want to do this anymore. Um, then when you go apply for, you know, regular jobs, which you don't ever want to do, <laughs> but they, uh, but let's say you had to, they'd say, well, where's your work history? You know? And you're like, I was a pro triathlete traveling the world for, for a few years. And it's not time wasted because they're going to be really impressed with that. They're going to be like, wow, that'd be pretty cool to have this guy working here. So I think that like if, when my son gets that old and let's say he wants to go do something like that, I would support him too. I would be like, yeah, man, go do that for a few years. Cause I don't see it as like a, I don't see much of a downside at all. I think it's all up. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it, uh, it's really helpful. I think I have incredibly supportive parents to that who believe in me is just as much as I believe in myself. So yeah. that's super helpful. And they gave me the green light. They said, you know what, finish up your degree, have that to fall back on. And then anything in any way that we can help you or you needed, you know, and we want you to achieve your dream. You're only 21 once. And, um, and yeah, so that, you know, I have the green light to, to chase the dream and, and go after it. And as long as it takes to, to get there, I'm, I'm, I'm in. So, uh, yeah, super motivated and have the support system in place. So, yeah, hopefully, hopefully things come my way. Cool. All right. Well, thanks, Justin. And we expect to have you back on and, and uh, you tell us how the year's going. And we'll see you soon. All right. Absolutely. Thanks, Brett. Appreciate it. All right. All right. That interview with Justin was brought to us by Amphibian Multisport. Somewhere in the Midwest, a little town called Chicago. Actually, a little town north of that little town called Libertyville and it is a super cool place you got to go check it out especially because it's so cold and snowy and miserable outside don't you just want to go to amphibianmultisport.com and get your first copy trainer ride free have you ever ridden a copy trainer it is kick butt you can control the resistance and all that neat stuff you get in some good workouts and then also you can bring your own bike in and well yeah that's how you get on the copy trainer but they probably have, I bet you they have a bike set up. You can get on the copy trainer too. And then if you uh, ever find yourself in the area, you can get in some free training time. Um, they insist on people riding for free the first time to make sure it's your thing. And they have endless pools set up inside Amphibian Multisport. And there's month to month memberships. And they also have a drop in fee so that you can come and work out once and also if you are active military and a firefighter and or a firefighter or police officer you can get the full 
deal, the full place at only a hundred bucks a month. So go check them out, amphibianmultisport.com. It's a full-blown tri shop with pools inside, pool lanes inside, and it's really, really cool. And they're a big supporter of the show, and go their way. All right, check them out. All right, next, let's talk with Mark and Adam from Endless Pools. I was really, really excited to talk to these guys because as we get to in the interview, I have been in an endless pool many times. It's been a few years though, but I loved it, man. It is super cool. And you start daydreaming while you're in it. Like, man, if I only had one of these, the things I could get done. So what we talk about is what it's, what is it really like to have one? And should you consider it? Are you in the camp where you're like, your life would be so much better with one? I'm definitely in the camp where my life would be so much better with one. And I'm super stoked to have them on the show and explain all this stuff. So let's go ahead and get started with Mark and Adam. Here's some endless pools for you. Hello. Hey there. There we go. Cool. All right. USB headphones and stuff. <laughs> never yeah worked. never works right uh, I, I thought you were pretty tech savvy i don't understand <laughs> i do claim to have a, a degree in computer tech whiz bang stuff <laughs> <laughs> so that that degree is about 15 years old now so who knows you know right right it changes so fast so i've got mark here is adam yep. there too yes hi brett hey yeah, how's adam. it going all right cool so i am here with Two of the gang from Endless Pools, and I am so happy to be talking with you guys because I've actually swam in an endless pool several times, up to an hour, I think, in one. Oh. And um, I'm a huge fan, and uh, I thought we, we should share uh, what you guys do with the rest of the world so they know all about it. And actually, Brett, I put you there? The, yeah, can you hear me, or are we gone? Brett, we lost you. Ah, oh, crud. Yep, you're back, you're back. Okay, I'm back. <laughs> hey, um, real, real quick, uh, yeah. on your experience with our pools, uh-huh. have you tried them at a expo, at a uh, swim studio, or somebody's residence? At uh, There used to be a triathlon workout uh, facility on the west side of Houston that had two or three of them. And I forgot what they were called. Um, but that's where I swam in it. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, God, it was try, try tech, try anyway. Um, and so I went twice early in the morning and swam in it as a swimming pool, you know? So, yep. Yep. and loved it. Um, and then I've never swam in one in a, at a uh, expo and I've also swam in one, uh, to try out a wetsuit at some tri shop, I think. Okay. So. Um, we, we have made some nice changes, uh, you know, technology in our. Utilizing two propellers now uh, in a couple of our units instead yeah. of one propeller. And we move those further away from uh, the, the grill where the water would come out. And interestingly, when you're using two propellers instead of one with a reverse, uh, you know, opposite drive, 
as uh, well as keeping it further away, the water is much cleaner, it's yeah. much fuller, and it really represents the force that you would have to exert to get through still water. Yeah. Um, so it's some pretty neat stuff, and also we have a wider current and a deeper current, uh, so it, it, it's nice and easier for some people to stay centered uh, with, uh-huh. with a wider and deeper current. Uh, but also for some of the bigger swimmers, some of the stronger swimmers, uh, it's a little bit more full. Oh, and I know another place where I've tried one. Uh, Kim Bracken, who's a swim coach out of Austin. Yep, absolutely, yep. Has one and has cameras set up all around it, and it's just fantastic. Uh, she did a video of my swim for an analysis. It was uh, really, okay. really neat. Yeah. yeah. I, I went to Austin to help Kim put the pool in, so yeah. I'm familiar with her, her yeah. setup. And that is a newer unit with the two propellers, so that gives you a feel for you know our newer technology and a smoother swim. Yeah, it was awesome. Good. <laughs> it was Good. it was the ultimate setup for one of these things. To as a I'm this? a I'm a coach myself, and I was that's how I would do it. You know, so I could uh, put people in the water and and then show them you know how to improve mm-hmm. their form. I know you're supposed to be interviewing us, but I'm, I'm curious what you felt to be most impressive about the the swim. While you're in the pool, not kind of disregarding the video analysis and the the benefits that you get from being able to see exactly what you were doing after it's all said and done with a coach. Yeah. So, what did you um, like from being in the pool? The the easiest thing that that will never break is the mirror on the bottom is always awesome, and then the amount of water that comes out of one of these is impressive. Like I've uh, a local health club here put a real bottom of the line um well i don't know it's a competitor's uh current generator at the end of their pool and it's a joke (laughs) like it doesn't it doesn't do anything and 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 i feel like spoiled with an endless pool and having the experience and then um kim set up with um she had the software set up from the edge of the pool. I could still sit in the pool, and she had uh, on on uh, screens uh, where she, she could a little, a little cart that has a DVR on it. And, yes, back yeah. screen. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, She could draw the angles of my arm, my forearm catch, and everything on the screen. Yeah, and then fix me in place, and that was just fantastic. Um, we think it's a we think it's a transformative way to teach people how to swim. Yeah. Um, it it can, has the potential to change the game, so to speak. Uh, it's taken a little bit of time for some more competitive swim coaches to, to give us a little bit of buy-in and believe in it and, and understand it. But once they use it, once they have their athlete there, and once they realize, wait a minute, I don't have to yell over four lanes and I don't have to walk up and down a, a 50-meter pool deck with a bulkhead and trip over lane lines and kickboards and God knows what. But else, the, my athlete's right there, and I can tap him right on the head when I want him to stop, and I can get him to see, like you just mentioned in the mirror, I can get him to see everything that's happening yeah. in live, real time, and then we can, two minutes later, review it all on video. And the, the ability to communicate quickly with the athlete and the ability to have that feedback right away can be really helpful in, in transforming someone's swim stroke and, and getting the athlete to realize that there is a difference between a hand position here or a hand position there and a hip position this way or versus that way, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, two other things were, um, the, the time I swam in it for an hour by myself with a mirror on the bottom, I think that changed my stroke forever. Um, 
because you can just work and work and work on a on a better technique, which is nice. And um, somebody was I was talking to the other day described it like running on a treadmill with a mirror next to you, you know, or in front <laughs> yep. of you. Yeah. And how you can realize that you're holding one arm too high, or you know, and you can actually do the same on this pool. And Absolutely. Then the other thing is that I thought was super cool is a trick where you, because you can set the current, you, you set the current at a current at a constant rate. Well, you can start doing things to see what helps you swim and off the front of it. Correct. Yeah. And so you're like, okay, well keep that. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to, and, and, uh, the same effort. Now you're out swimming it. Well, that's obviously something that's faster and you could never do that in a, in a regular pool. Um, without lots of stopping and checking watches and timing and, and looking at clocks and stuff like that. It's a little bit of a wind tunnel effect. The column of water that's flowing over you will exaggerate some inefficiencies that you might have in your stroke. So a couple things happen that I've, I've observed. Sometimes people have off-balance swim strokes, and they'll realize uh, after swimming for just a short time in our swim current that well, first of all, they'll they'll make an observation. It's coming out crooked. I'm swimming crooked. It's making me swim crooked, and mm-hmm. it's a tough, a tough conversation sometimes to have with an athlete. Well, the, the water's coming straight, but you're crossing your arm underneath your body when you're breathing on one side, and you're you're pulling through the uh, that phase of the stroke correctly on the other side, and it's it's grabbing hold of that. You're adding extra resistance to this column of water, and it's it's taking your half of your body and pushing it a little bit. Right. Um, so. Right. You, you have that benefit, but then, as you mentioned, the the more streamlined you are for a longer period of time, and it, the better hip rotation that you have with a high elbow uh, anchor at the at the catch phase will will allow you to use the right muscle groups to propel yourself a little bit more with each stroke. And with the water coming out constantly at, at a certain pace, you can either change your stroke count. Um, take fewer strokes, be more efficient and stay right where you are or take the same number of strokes and do something a little bit different. You, you, you tweak a little bit of the hip drive or you tweak a little bit more of the emphasis on the, the early catch and then you're able to, to surge a little bit more with each stroke in the current. And because the, the propulsion housing that we call it is generating this swim current, it's, it's not moving, it's staying right where it is. And because yeah. water speed is it's it's set to the the same pace and and now you're you're getting closer to that swim propulsion housing with every stroke you're surging a little bit more you 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 you've just made a a real time adjustment that that is proven right there you can see that it's happening you can feel it it's uh it's unique yeah i've done that same thing on a treadmill where i wear a heart rate strap and what do i need to do to run off the front of this thing without my heart rate going up there you, you go know, it's yeah. the exact same thing and I've learned so much better place to, you know, to hold my hands and how to quit loping along or like uh, breaking with my foot. I've, and, I've done that too on the treadmill and I've, and I've noticed it with um, recovering my legs and how high my foot comes up uh-huh. um, on the recovery phase of a running stride. And if if my toes are pointing inward as I take off and, and I'm carrying my foot forward crooked or if my foot disappears behind my calf, that means, uh, behind my quad, that means that my calves are coming up a little bit higher and I'm bringing my knee kind of in the same lateral plane forward. And um, so you can make those adjustments on a treadmill. This mm-hmm. 
a land-based treadmill and you can make the same adjustments on a, on a, on a underwater treadmill for, for swimming the yeah. same, the same way, the same theory of, uh, you're exactly right. So let's, let's talk about a couple other things that are my pet peeves about swimming pools <laughs> and how, <laughs> and how the, the endless pool like cures these. It's, it's so great. So I live in a town, a small to medium sized town with a very limited pool, uh, selection. Um, even though I, I live where Texas A&M is, and we have a massive uh, swimming facility, yes, uh, the and it's wonderful, by the way. But the um, but the hours of operation are always weird, and the I have to pay to park, and um, and I have to join this huge gym that I don't need to to get to the pool, and then. I have to share the pool with all these uh, people that have, a lot of them have never, it seemed like they've never swam before in their lives. And so I have to swim around people. And then also, um, the uh, so I swim at this other pool that is an open air pool that they do a pretty good job of keeping the right temperature. But um, it, if there's any kind of bad weather or anything, they shut it down. Right. Yeah. And I have to drive... Um, either one of these pools, I have to drive probably 20, 25 minutes. I think it's probably 30, 35 minutes altogether by the time I get into the water, once I leave my house, right? And yeah. and then now I got to go to work and now I got to change clothes and I can't see my son off to school because I've got to change clothes at, in this. Oh, and the, high, the, the boys high school swim team also uses the same locker room. So I have to listen to what teacher's hot. <laughs> um, who got beat up last week and, and they, they, years. What they are you doing? the <laughs> yelling, the yelling between these guys is just yeah. so annoying, you know, yeah. um, just the, the testosterone volume level is just nuts. And, um, and then it's so funny when they shower, they, they'll, all, they'll get like five of them under the two shower heads, but, but they also, you know, they won't take off, uh, their swimsuits to shower cause they're all embarrassed. Right. But they'll cluster yeah. under the shot. They'll take up the entire shower. And just stand in there. It's, yeah. it's so funny. <laughs> but anyway, um, but it's cheap. You're, you're bringing me back a couple of years. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I remember that. Well, <laughs> yeah, not, not, not to digress into that, but, yeah. it, you know, that, that's an issue that, that, you know, we experience with that we hear from consumers that basically say, you know, I, I have I am very close to the club. I, I'm going to continue to maintain membership to the club, but I cannot stand utilizing the you know the changing showering facilities or the overchlorinated pool yeah um so they'll continue to to do their treadmill workout or yoga or whatever class they want to do a spin class but they'll they'll enter and exit and shower at home um so obviously again there's there's a lot of benefits to having you know a a private pool to do your training yeah Uh, the funniest story at that pool is one time i had a water moccasin swim under me Oh my! <laughs> um, I can't. You know that can totally happen in your own backyard pool. <laughs> yes, if, if, but, if you live in the south, yes. Yes, but it was something else. I swear. That's um, yeah. Uh, but anyway, um, so something, something you touched on just at yeah. the beginning there was just the half hours worth of time that it takes you to get to the pool, and then it, time in the locker room, and and uh, and then time to get home too. And a lot of our customers too, they say, "Look, I." I, I can afford this kind of thing. I I, I have the interest. I in, enjoy the physical 
working benefits. What, what I don't have a lot of is time and you can't buy more time. And by having a pool at home, um, similar to what we have here in the office, it's a, it's not a half hour drive. It's a, it's a walk down the stairs. Right. Um, Mark was busting my chops earlier today because I haven't swam yet. And <laughs> today that is. And it, and, yeah. and it's a and it's a it's a I gotta go do my three-minute walk to get down there. And of course you shower afterwards, and that time is time that you're spending here or, or there. Yeah. But um, to be able to have that resource so close and so accessible whenever you want it, and you're not on somebody else's schedule and you're not getting in the car to, to go there, it's it there's there's something really nice about that. Yeah. Um when I was training for my swim across Lake Tahoe and um, people, it's been a while since I've done that. So people listening to the podcast, if there's new listeners, I swam across Lake Tahoe, which is kind of like the English channel. It was 22 miles and it's high elevation. And I'd never, I've grown up swimming my entire life, but I'd never done anything like that. That's uh, pretty extreme. So I was swimming one weekend. I swam uh, three days, uh, five hours, three days in a row. So it was 11 miles a day because I figured if I swam 33 miles in three days that I could swim 22 in one. <laughs> sure. <laughs> the the cost of me getting in and out of that of the Texas A&M pool and then um, the uh, having to to move myself around as different swim team practices came and went and explained myself to the lifeguards and all that and I was thinking like if I ever do a swim like that again like if I was a doing like big open water swims well this would this would allow me to do it because did i could you do get flip in... Turns in lake tahoe brett well do what <laughs> did you do flip turns in lake tahoe just because you were used to it or yeah it was a lot of turns um <laughs> well the um the a couple of those days for most of the day they had the pool set up as the 50 meter uh -huh. Um, so that was nice, you know, and, yes. but Great, there yeah. is no, that's the first thing I noticed swimming in an endless pool was that my shoulders got tired within a couple minutes and I was like, what's that about? And it's like, oh, you're not doing flip turns. So you're not getting that little break every, so right. every 30 seconds or 15 seconds or whatever. And yeah, yeah. that adds up big time. Big Very time. much so. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously you know, a couple things, obviously open water swim training, you know, you're, you're not stretching your lower back. I mean, when you're doing the flip turn, you're definitely resting. You're cruising into the wall. Mm -hmm. You're getting a tremendous amount of power burst off of the wall. But also on the other side, you know, when you're, when you're doing the flip turn, you're actually stretching your back and you're basically, you know, changing what you're doing. In open water swimming, you're actually in a prone position for a longer period of time. And thus the, the cardiovascular increase in open water swimming, as well as the exercise that your back experiences and or potential tightening of the lower back is something that open water swimming definitely will condition you for as well as using a swim machine like we produce will condition you for that and get you prepared for whether it's a, a one mile swim in a try or a longer something that often resonates with athletes that um, are preparing for open water swims or, or triathlons are uh, the first try or pool is they swim for a little bit uh, right. And then they say, well, did you, they pop their head up and they say, did you turn it up on me? And they're laughing and they're, they're thinking, well, what did you do? You must've been messing with it. Right. <laughs> and, and so they, what they're not realizing is every time you're doing a flip turn, every time you're pushing off the wall, you're getting a break. And so say you're at a, a stroke count of maybe 20, uh, 20 strokes mm -hmm. per, per lap. If you're pushing off a wall and you're, and you're, and you're going right to it. And if you're, 
doing a flip turn and you're gliding off a wall, you might be at 16 strokes. That's 25% of the time that you're spending underwater, you're gliding, you're doing a flip turn. And when they get in an endless pool and there's no flip turns and they, they go at it for 40 or 50 strokes and then they feel like it got harder all of a sudden, it's because they're not used to getting that constant effort. They're used to getting that recovery time when they glide off of the wall. And uh, it, people realize very quickly there's, a, there's quite a difference when you're yeah. using uh, an endless pool and, and, and trying to simulate open water swimming without a flip turn involved, without a wall to stop at and, and, and get your interval rest which, which is an important part of swimming, mind you. I'm, I'm, I would never say that an endless pool would, would replace competitive pool swimming training uh, by any stretch, but the ability to condition yourself for not having that rest recovery, you, you could swim 10,000 meters mm -hmm. in a 25-meter in a pool or a 50-meter pool, but you're, yeah. there's a chance you might spend 10, 15, 20% of that time gliding off the walls, and uh, that's not going to do you a heck of a lot of good when it comes to preparing your your systems for, for an, an exertion for a 400 meter sprint race or a, a two plus mile, uh, long course race. Yeah. The, when you, when you add up the no commute so that you can actually spend more time swimming and then the lack of turns needing to, to stop and rest to turn every time it, it's, uh, it's, it's amazing how much better a tool it is for open water for swimming. And with the popularity of open water swimming because of triathlons, um, people just practice and practice in a pool and they've got um, very little open water practice and they don't know what it's going to be like. Um, right. And uh, I think open water swimming races are going to get more popular too. Um, so let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about different, uh, versions of the pool and even you even have a fast lane option and uh so we are uh in the process right now of getting a moving to a new house so um we like what would we be looking at as far as because the house is being uh, uh set up by an architect right now like if they built it from scratch what would we be looking at let's say we wanted to put the 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 uh an endless pool in the backyard okay so like, um, when what we, considerations do we need to take um there's a couple of different things i mean you're uh you know for a quality swim uh, -huh. uh you know and, and doing different strokes if you wanted to open it up for a variety of strokes um an eight foot wide by 14 foot long pool would be an ideal size okay uh, and basically water depth, we offer six inch increments in water depth and one foot increments in width and length. So basically eight feet by 14 feet in width and length would be ideal. Mm -hmm. uh, also, if you went one six inch increment deeper than our basic and went to 48 inches, so four feet on panel height uh, and eight by 14 by 48, that is the pool size that virtually every collegiate swim program and our top uh, Olympic training centers around the world are utilizing for their athletes. So there's really no advantage of going bigger than that. Mm -hmm. uh, that's going to cover any size individual and cover any stroke that anybody would want to do. So I do, I'm six foot three and I like to do butterfly for a long time. So that'll yep. cover that. Absolutely. Yep. 
we've we've had six foot ten. We've we've had some of the best swimmers in the world in our pool. Uh, One guy six foot ten doing the butterfly and had absolutely no problem with an eight by fourteen by forty eight and trains in it regularly. Wow, (laughs) that's cool. Okay, he has a nice he has a nice wingspan. Yeah, that's Um, a lot of wingspan. that would really be, I mean, that's, that's kind of the sweet spot with the pool sizes. And when we talk about these dimensions, mm-hmm. these are inside dimensions. Um, so, again, you, that's the space that you would have available for the water. Right. Uh, there's three different opportunities that people would have. You can put this fully above ground on a pad or patio, per se. Mm-hmm. That is the most cost-effective way to install the pool. Right. Yet you could landscape up around it or deck up around it to make it look partially in ground. Mm-hmm. If you decide that you want to sink the pool, um, and, and again, uh, it's a nice thing to have the pool partially in ground. You can put uh, two-thirds of it in the ground, and that way when you walk up to the edge of the pool, you're sitting at chair height, swing your legs over and get into the pool. Uh, again, as we all continue to want to exercise and, and we are aging as well, uh-huh. it's nice to think of the future and say, hey, you know, I'm very fit now and I'm very agile, but in 15 years when I'm using this, would I want to have an easier entrance and exit and thus partially in ground is nice. Yeah. People will also go fully in ground and put it like they would put a backyard in ground pool. Right. Anytime you start digging and trenching, uh, you're you're going to obviously run into a more expensive installation. Uh-huh. So that's something really to consider. Do I want to spend that extra money for you know a partially in ground effect, or could I deck up around that? So uh, the endless pool. So some of your models come with the. Uh, well, what are the different what are the different varieties of the what do you call it the tub that that comes with it? And do you have to have that to make the the motor work? Do you have to have your tub to make the motor work at the highest level? Like, are there channels inside the tub to, re- yeah, to yeah. pull water back around? Yes. Yes, there are channels, but not in all of our, you know, as you state, tubs. Uh-huh. Um, I, again, I, I don't mean to jump into other products, but if you think about going to a bike shop, if you walk into a bike shop, there's a wide, wide variety of different pipe bikes you can purchase, and we pretty much offer that same array of products right so if somebody wants to have a recreational cruising bike or cruising machine for average recreational swimming we provide a product for that Uh, we also provide a hybrid product and that's kind of our swim spa it's fully assembled and it's delivered to your site just like a hot tub but it would be either 15 feet 17 feet or 19 feet in length and that's you know, purchased by many triathletes uh, that are interested in a swim, but they also have to think of the rest of the family. And if they have a couple kids that want to swim and are learning to swim and their spouse, whether male or female, that would enjoy the hot tub aspect and this triathlete is spending enough money on their own personal interest. uh, (laughs) And it's hard to say, yeah, let me spend another $30,000 on another item, a toy for me. Here's a product the whole family can enjoy. And again, that hybrid product is a product that is sold. When you get into our steel panel product with a vinyl liner that has the large return channels that sit on the floor of the pool, 360 degrees around the perimeter, that is the best swim. That is the only product that any of the swim studios, Olympic training centers, and collegiate swim programs have because that has a stainless steel perforated grill in the rear that actually intakes the water. That water is pulled into the rear It then is channeled underneath and below alongside the swimmer. 
and then is put out in front of the swimmer. So the water is conditioned very well and flows very nicely in the steel panel vinyl line product. Okay. And, yeah, since I do, like, uh, intervals and sprints and things like that in the pool, that's probably something I would want to check out. And then but yep. so what about the – what's this fast lane option where you can add one to an existing pool, or, or how does that work? Yeah. The fast lane is really the propulsion housing only, and what Mark was just referring to is the entire modular kit of right. parts that can be assembled uh, indoors or out, really, <clears throat> uh, built – built to fit, as you mentioned, with the varying uh, width and length and height or, or depth increments. Uh, the propulsion housing only, the, you, you just referred to as the fast lane, is really how the company began years and years and years ago mm-hmm. uh, as, as an idea. Why don't we create something that allows someone to swim in place in a backyard pool that might otherwise be too small for exercise or laps. Sometimes someone might say, oh, I swim in my backyard pool. Oh, how many strokes from, from one side to the other? Well, four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. There, there's a, there's a, a need there. Um, but the idea of the fast lane evolved um, probably 25 years ago into an endless pool. And um, the, the president of the company, the guy who owns our company, he said, well, how do I, show this to people? How do I get people to understand the concept and to realize it? Well, let me put this, um, this device called a fast lane into a pool that I can, I can show at, at expos and exhibits and industry trade shows. And then suddenly there's this, this pool that has a, a very uh, a small area and a fast lane at one end. And, and the water's really, as you mentioned before, the, the volume of water that we move is, is pretty large compared to uh, what a lot of the other competitors' products might be. Mm-hmm. And the, uh, the problem then was you've got an, an athlete in the, the pool and the water's flowing over them and the water is kind of scrambling and it's confused. What does it do after I flow over this athlete? I've got to get yeah. back to the the front of the pool to this fast lane unit and, and ergo the, the, the concept of an endless pool um, with underwater return channels or, or these benches that are okay. there that are designed as, as sort of as duck, plenums and duct work to return the water that is flown and passed over the swimmer um, that is originated at the front of the pool, ended up in the rear of the pool. How do I get it back to the front of the pool without it interfering with the, the other water that's now flowing over the right. athlete in the pool. And by separating the two flows of water, you're enabling the, um, the surface area of the pool to be much smaller than if it was without these underwater return channels. You've removed any of the currents or eddies that might develop when uh, the water that's flowing over the swimmer is sort of fighting with the water that's trying to go back to the front end of the pool. So uh, the, I, I really think the, the, the best product that we offer is, is – uh, one of the endless pool models that have uh, propulsion housing at one end and this, this network of, of underwater return channels to allow the water to get from the rear of the pool back to the front um, and, and, and provide this smooth column of water in the middle of the pool for the, the swimmer. We still sell. Oh, now, the, the, so that fast lane idea that we started with ended up turning into an endless pool, and that was what the company sold for years and years. Uh, and about 10 years ago, reintroduced the fast lane as an addition, once again, to the backyard pools, but um, our suggestion is that the surface area of the backyard pool be uh, a couple times over the surface area that's required for an endless pool so that that water that flows over the athlete when they're swimming or or training is allowed to calm down a little bit by the time it gets to the back of the pool and the fast lane device that's attached to the wall of the pool is able to draw in water from underneath that is relatively calm and undisturbed so that you're you're not having these little uh, eddies and, and 
conflicts of, of water flowing from one direction and the other direction. Okay, cool. I get it. So yeah. let's, let's talk about, um, uh, care and maintenance and, and setup. So, um, what, what kind of water do you recommend in it? Like, uh, is, is saline totally out of the question or like how does, or what, what kind of, uh, maintenance is it, does it require? Keep, keep in mind that this is a private use pool opposed to a public access pool. Yeah. Um, one thing that we highly recommend for all of our customers is the utilization of ultraviolet sanitization, and that's what we provide. Um, our, our pump is a very low uh, pressure and a, a low turnover pump, but the, the pump on average uh, is going to basically turn the water over depending on the size of the pool four to six times per day, and it's designed to run 24 hours a day. Mm -hmm. So with a pump running 24 hours a day, it's going to be sanitizing the water through the UV system all day long, 24 hours a day. That reduces the amount of oxidation that you need, whether that be bromine, chlorine, or a a, a saline kind of product that you're talking about. So the best thing to do is to start with an endless pool and start utilizing a chlorine system that we recommend. Mm-hmm. And the chlorine that we recommend is simply your local your local grocery store Clorox bleach. The average person will put about three cups throughout the week into their pool to maintain the, the pool quality. Right. So you may put a cup every two days into your pool to maintain that. That level of chlorine in the pool is actually less than what you would typically get in most city tap water. So it's a very nice system basically for you to maintain. If you're using a salt-generated chlorine, what you're doing is you're introducing salt. It's generating chlorine, so you still are placing chlorine in your pool, but you also have salt. It feels wonderful. However, the salt is corrosive to the hydraulic hoses. It's corrosive to stainless steel, and thus you'd be replacing or needing to do more maintenance, which is unnecessary because your chlorine content would be normally so low with Clorox bleach that you wouldn't need to get into that. Oh, a, little bit of, okay. a little bit of misinformation that's out there in the, in the pool industry is that if I have a salt water pool or a saline pool, that I don't, it's hands off. It's, it's great. I don't have to do anything to it. There's no chlorine in the pool, and that's not really true. Salt is sodium chloride in the way (laughs) these systems work is they break the sodium chloride apart so that you have free chlorine ions that form chlorine that can then go and do the the sanitation work in the pool and and the oxidation work to keep things clean and and then reassociate with the the sodium before it fizzles off. And um, there are some, some unfortunate implications if someone's using salt with regard to how aggressive it is for finished work that people have around their pools, especially backyard pools that have softer stone Mm -hmm. coping or deckings. The the salt water that splashes out of the pool has been known to etch into some of the the materials and and it can be a construction problem down the road. And for some of the internal components that I uh, kind of alluded to before that allow us to have this propulsion system inside of this uh, small panel kit, we use stainless steel parts. Yeah, and, and um, it's it, it's a it's a great material to use underwater. But when you have the, the salt content, it can sometimes be out of hand, and it does other things to water chemistry, like alkalinity and and things like that. It, it can be aggressive, and and um, you don't want those parts failing in a, a shorter period of time than, than they normally would. That, um, I know that uh, for like for example, backpacking. The the latest coolest thing is a is a uh, battery powered handheld UV light. 
yep. to, to yep. clean to clean water. And that thing is insane. Like it, it's so easy to use, and it kills everything. And then it, um, it also uh, is UV is what most cities use to clean water because it's so. We effective. use it too. Yeah, yeah. We, we we have a UV sanitizer that's plumbed into the, uh, the what we call a water quality system. We have every pool that we offer comes with a a, fil- a skimmer so uh-huh. that you get all the crud that sort of gets up to the top of the water, a filter that the water has to pass through, this, this high-efficiency pump that circulates the water 24 hours a day. It goes through a heater. Every pool comes with a heater. Whether or not you want the, um, the thermostat, depending on where you live, you can set the thermostat lower so that the environment is heating your pool in the in the four months and you're, you're using electricity to heat the pool in the in cooler times. Um, and then it can also pass through this optional UV sanitizer, which will... Um, <laughs> It, it, it for, for lack of a better description, it scrambles the DNA of any organisms that are right. passing through so that they can't reproduce. And um, if if that organism is sterile, then it's not going to grow in the pool. It's not going to have algae in the pool. If for whatever reason it it gets into a human being, it's not going to wreak havoc on intestines or or other yeah. parts. <laughs> yeah, and then yeah, like compared to a, a neighborhood pool or a city pool or or community pool, because um, I used to be a lifeguard too. I was a lifeguard for three years. And, uh, you know, part of the job was taking care of the pool. And, uh, and then the, the stuff that goes into a community pool is pretty crazy. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the pool that I swim at now, it is very common to be swimming along and then see a band aid rolling along the bottom yeah. and, a, and a ball of hair, you know, in the, yeah. in the surge as you go over it each time. Yeah. It's pretty gross. And, uh, yeah. It's nasty. The nice, the nice thing about that when when our customers have their pools at home, as as Mark mentioned, a couple of cups of bleach throughout the course of the week will take care of it. And as tempting as it might be to finish a, a four hour ride in hot weather and hop in the pool to to flush out your legs, it's really beneficial to wipe off, wash off rather, the sweat, the grease, the road grit, the sunscreen, all that stuff in the shower, and then get in the pool. When when the pool is in your home and you can control. The, the demand of uh, the, the bather demand or, or the load that is in the pool yeah. based on how dirty the, the people are that are getting in, you, you can control it because it's a few people. It's not yeah. an entire community's worth of uh, infant classes and swim teams and swim lessons and uh, senior citizens and aerobic classes, things like that going on throughout the day. You have much less control when you're in a community facility like that than you do at home. Yeah. Because you have the control at home, you can keep the chemical levels much lower and a much more comfortable uh, range so that it doesn't affect people that are normally allergic or or, or disturbed or sensitive to the types of levels that are present in in community pools or public pools. And and then there's a few other things. Like um, if you're able to keep the chlorine level low, I've seen lots of studies. I have asthma. And uh, one way to get asthma as you age is is, uh, to grow up on a swim team that swims in an indoor pool (laughs) because the, the massive amounts of chlorine that they use to or back in the eighties that they used to keep it clean, burns, scorches or sensitizes your lungs or something. And then, um, there's a high occurrence of asthma with indoor swimmers, um, with the heavily chlorinated pools. And then get your uh, arm hairs and it rips your suits up too. It's nasty. (laughs) Yeah. But then on the other hand, well, let's say, uh, you swim outside. Well, now you've got, um, so the pool that I swim at most of the time is outdoors. So there's no cover over it. So if I swim in the middle of the day, I'm going to get sunburned. But right. if I uh, do an endless pool, I can just position an umbrella near the side of the pool or put an awning over it, and I'm I'm good to go without being out in the sun so much. 
Totally agree. Yeah. So yeah. So when I did the five hours every day back to back, I did it in an indoor pool because of the um, uh, because I didn't want to be out in the sun that long doing right. That. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, the first day I did it, I did it at a smaller pool that was uh, regularly chlorinated. I ended up having a, a asthma burn in my lungs, I think, from the chlorine. And then so the second day I switched over to the A&M pool where it's massive inside and it's much much more ventilated. But it was really expensive to yeah. do it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so let's see. I have a couple other questions. So, so let's say somebody, what's the process of ordering a pool? Uh, do you do you guys work with customers to help them figure out what what they to match them up with what they want, with what you have, and then how does it get to their house? Yeah, our, our business is set up that we actually are, are selling directly to the consumers. So we have a, a team of about 30 people here that work uh, on the entire sales process. We have, a, we have engineers, architects. Uh, we have some interior design folks. Uh, but basically what we're doing is, is, you know, working to create a product that will custom, you know, be, be custom to fit into the space that people have uh, our products uh, the, the most common product we sell that we've talked about before is the endless pool which is the seal panel with the return channels and basically if you can carry a, a piece of plywood or you know typical construction materials through the doors down the step and into a room you can actually take that same componentry of our pool and walk into the house and assemble it there uh, again, to create that, we need to work with the room dimensions. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also do want to, you know, either, you know, if they have the space and it's suitable, um, we will locate the a water quality system, the, the, you know, the filtration system poolside. Uh, if they wish, we can remotely locate that into a separate room or into a garage, or basically they can put it through a wall and put it outdoors. Um, so those opportunities exist uh, and that's what we help people do, uh, as we discussed, I and mean, we actually have a baker's dozen of pools that people can choose from. So we want to make sure that we select the right pool for the right person. Right. As you stated, you'd like to do some sprint efforts. Uh, our pools range in pace for about four different high end pace levels based on the swimmer. Um, and thus, again, we would want to make sure that we're matching you with a product that can match your speed and the effort and workout program that you wish to choose and do on a regular basis. Yeah, our our company is we're headquartered just outside of Philadelphia, and uh, we have two buildings here. One is the the building where a majority of our staff works, and that's where we have our um, our design staff, we have our engineers, we have management, we have accounting and customer services here too. That's a, a real nice benefit. Everybody's all really in, in the same building here. Mm-hmm. And then we have another building um, uh, two miles away, and that's where we uh, we call it a warehouse or a production facility. And that's where we we sort and we source and we store and we build all of the kits custom. Uh, but it, we're we're very proud of the fact that we source all of the goods from our vendors we bring them in-house and we assemble everything here um and it's shipped everything that anyone buys from endless pools is shipped from our warehouse in pennsylvania either via a, a van line or really a moving truck or uh by rail to a local distribution center uh, all over the country and, and all over the world and um we're, we're, we're proud that we're we're all here it's it's not ordering parts here that are being manufactured overseas and then being shipped here. If you call customer service, you're getting somewhere overseas. It's, it's all happening just outside of Philadelphia. And, uh, and we've been shipping in nationally and, and internationally uh, for close to 30 years now. Yeah. That's something to be really proud of. That's, that's a cool setup. 
So, Thank you. Yeah, and uh, did you did you say something about that that uh, each pool comes with a with with a heater? Like, yeah, the, the electric heater is standard. Yeah. Uh, yeah we, we we again part of that process working with the customer depending on where they're at. Mm -hmm. uh, there are certainly areas in the south uh, that that. Solar uh, heat could be a, a great source opposed to electric. And basically what you'd do is you'd turn the electric heater down low so it only kicks on if needed. But basically solar is an excellent form of heat. Uh, we, we also you know, will offer for folks, depending on where they're placing this, if it's being placed outdoors, a gas heater would be much more efficient than electric heater um, because the cost of gas versus electric. Um, but you know, there's many, many opportunities that people would have to provide heat for the water in the pool. Okay. Um, so we, we can work with our product, work with any heat source that somebody would want to heat the water. Yeah, I started a thread on Slow Twitch um, asking people how much does it cost to heat uh, an endless pool? And I was really surprised like how uh, inexpensive it is and how much does it cost to operate it? Yeah, um, yeah. It basically, again, get, getting back to your point, you know, it. There's so many variables, whether it's indoors, outdoors, how well it's insulated. So that's one thing that we push here very strongly to make sure that people are spending the extra couple hundred dollars to properly insulate the pool and, and don't script, you know, basically shorten it uh, or, or skimp there. Yeah. Um, basically, our your, your, your propeller inside of the pool that's generating the flow or the current, that is hydraulically driven. I mean, we're using a non-food grade vegetable oil. Um, so it's safe if it were ever to leak into the pool. But the point is that this is about a penny per minute to run the swim current. It's a very, very efficient motor right. that is basically pumping the fluid. Um, so the cost of running it is very, very cost effective. The cost of maintaining it with Clorox bleach is very effective. Um, and then again, the really the big significant thing that you'd have would be heat cost. And we really work with people based on where they're located to make sure that we're making the right choice on their heat option. Yeah. Cool. So do you have any um, any crazy stories of somebody doing something with one or training in one, like the uh, the six foot ten Olympian with the butterfly wingspan or, or anything else? I, I, like I don't that? count as a crazy story. Some of the some of the cooler things that we've experienced are taking the pools to at least in my opinion, some really highly competitive swim meets and seeing some of the United States national team members get in the pool and try it and realize Oh wow, that that's cool. It, it works. And and if you're at a, a a U.S. Grand Prix U.S. Swimming Grand Prix meet and you see some some recognizable faces and names and some maybe not so much, but they're all stud swimmers. And and yeah. I've I've not had had an experience where I'm there and 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 somebody gets out and says, well, well, that thing doesn't work. Mm -hmm. uh, so. <laughs> to to it it we we rely on selling the products to to people who are using this for health and fitness general health and fitness and I see the majority of our customer is not a competitive athlete by any stretch they're they're looking for a way to have low impact exercise that they enjoy in the comfort of their own home um, and that's that's we love that that that's that's what keeps us in business um yeah. athletes also keep us in business but it's really interesting to to see some of the best athletes in the world using the product sometimes just to to play with a little bit of a, a little bit of a, a awkward catch thing that they're doing on their left side and they're not doing on the right side when they're recovering from a breathing stroke and you have a national team coach uh watching over a, a national team athlete 
and and saying, you know what? Why don't you why don't you slow it down? Uh, why don't you think about your fingertip entry and and controlling it, and and just feel that catch a little bit more. Feel that catch a little bit more, and you see that the light bulb go off. Um, and wow, we're we're doing something here that that can be really really valuable for some of these athletes. Some of the other things that athletes have done is exactly as you've described. Um, I'm I'm preparing for a, a long distance open water swim, and I'm gonna swim for for five hours yeah and you can <laughs> in that thing it, 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 yeah. it sounds terrible but it, look okay some people think going for a three or four hour run sounds terrible if you're preparing for marathon it's, it's what you have to do it, um but to, to know that we can offer that to someone who who is using it for that we take a lot of pride in that yeah I'm, we're, we're up on, on you know as adam mentioned some of the uh, swimming grand prix we've been to uh you know, we're out of the pool. We're in the athlete zone. We're there for the athletes. Uh, I basically had uh, a coach that was standing next to me, and he basically was wanted one of his athletes to get in because of the massive mirror on the bottom. The athlete got in. He said, "You know, I, you know, Mark's been working with people here. I want you to get in. I want you to swim, and then we'll be, after you swim, we'll come up with a give you an evaluation." So the athlete got in. Was a very very high caliber athlete. He got in. And within about five seconds, the coach smacked the coping on the side of our pool and, and said a curse word. And I looked at him. I said, what's wrong? He said, I've been telling this student athlete for three years what to do right. In five seconds, he saw himself in the mirror and completely corrected himself. Yeah. He then prepared for his meet, which was a finals. He came, the coach came back out, a male coach came back out about a half hour later and gave me a hug and said, my, my athlete just PR'd. It was your mirror that made all the difference in the world. Yeah. And to your point, which you had realized and stated earlier, you know, we all have muscle memory and whether that muscle memory is used for cycling or biking, you know, cycling, running or swimming, swimming is one of the hardest things because you don't really see what your muscles are doing while you're swimming. And thus the use of an endless pool is extremely valuable from time to time. I mean, it's great for me. I love to go out in open water and swim in a lake. I I spend time in the pool, uh, you know, regular rec pool. But the point is that getting into an endless pool and seeing yourself, it it basically allows you to see what you're doing. uh, And and unfortunately, many times I'm doing things that I shouldn't be doing that are not efficient and helping me with my propulsion forward. So that, that, that mirror underneath and seeing what you're doing, it will reprogram your muscles by repeating that and watching yourself for hours, weeks, months, and doing the right thing. So for me, having a career of swimming for uh, you know 30 plus years, and then you know watching myself in an endless pool, I have continued at at plus 50 years of age here, have made some remarkable increase improvements uh, in my swimming in my 5K open water swims because again I'm finally seeing what I was doing wrong for 30 plus years. And it's not that hard to reprogram that when you're watching yourself constantly, you know, in an endless pool. Yeah. The the thing I noticed was that my right arm was crossing over just a little bit. And I've been told that, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And but I think in, in a regular swimming pool, you're afraid to change or you don't know how badly you're doing it or how much to change it. Right. But then with the, with the mirror, you go, okay, I I can see it. And so, uh, so you start changing it and then you realize that it's easier to swim the same speed or faster. Oh yeah. yeah. And that, that biofeedback just changes your world instantly. You're like, okay, well I'm definitely sticking with this now. 
Yeah. Funny, funny yeah. you say that. That was the first thing that I noticed when I first swam at Endless Pools on my first day of work close to 10 years ago was that my high school coach was right. And it was an oh crap moment yeah. <laughs> because there's there's a 16-year-old knucklehead whose high school coach is saying, your, your right arm, you're getting close to the center line. And the 16-year-old says, yeah, whatever, coach, I fixed it. You don't know what you're talking about. Then yeah. you, you see it in the mirror and you think, oh, God, he yeah, was right. Then, <laughs> and then you don't want to change too much because you're already – you've sunk so much time and effort in and you're pretty fast already, you know, so like right. – you've worked pretty hard to get where you're at. So should you change? And in a regular pool, you don't really know if it's faster or not. Yeah. The the perception that you have of what a a major adjustment might be when you're in the pool is completely different than what actually needs to be. So a lot of times coaches will say you have to over-exaggerate it. You think you're reaching wide, Mm -hmm. go six times wider, like you're doing the YMCA dance or, or Superman or something like that. And you, and you say, well, how how about here? Was I there? And no, you're, you only moved it a quarter of an inch. You got to move it four inches over to the side. And it feels like, it's just way, way, way too much because you've made these impressions on your muscles and you've done this so many tens or hundreds of thousands of times with all these strokes you've taken. But to be able to see it right there and then be able to feel it and then get that feedback that you mentioned of, well, I'm, I'm, I'm now surging forward a little bit more, yeah. you, you, get, you, you get it right there. And it's, it's yeah. really kind of a remarkable experience when somebody realizes yeah. that. Yeah. A lot of these top athletes you know, that are doing free, you know, freestyle uh, and breaststroke and butterfly, you know, their, their coaches or their collegiate program will buy some of these mirrors and they'll put them at the bottom of the pool at the end of a pool in one lane and they'll basically get about six feet to maybe eight feet of a view of themselves. Yeah. But obviously, again, they're very, very fast. They're very efficient. So they don't really see a whole lot when they're positioned over this for five minutes and they see what they're doing at variable speeds and constantly, it's much easier to make those corrections. And then we do also offer a backstroke mirror and that's where the backstrokers have never, ever seen themselves swimming no. Um, and really haven't seen a good view of, of their hand entry and their, their pull, uh, basically b- with video. So it, it's, it's a really neat program. Yeah. And, and, and swimming in place, you can even set up a, um, like an iPad or a, uh, an iPhone or something like that on a, on a stand and just video yourself swimming in place too. Yep. It's so much easier than having to, and, and then you can work with that on your own time over and over and over again until you get it right without having to recruit somebody to help you out, you know? Yes, yeah, sir. Yep. Yeah. We, we could do an entire separate podcast on video filming techniques for swimming analysis, but yeah. you're absolutely right. A, an iPad or just your phone works great. If you're doing it on your own, you can go much, much more sophisticated with some of the things that you mentioned that you did at um, yeah. uh, Kim, Kim Bracken's place at best um, with Darfish and 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 replay and coach's eye or, or similar programs where you can trace uh, the, the lines or the angles of, of hand entry, of elbow position, and hip rotation, all of that. But um, the, the concept is, is the same. You can record it and then you can review it right there and then you can see it happen in the mirror again. You can record it and you can review it right there. And it's so, it's so fast. It's so easy to be able to do that once you have it set up that, um, again, you can make re- remarkable gains in a very short period of time because it's all right there. Cool. Well, this has been fun, guys. Thanks for uh, being on the call. Absolutely. Our pleasure. Yeah. How do people get in touch with you? 
basically, I mean, we, we have a pretty robust website at, uh -huh. at endlesspools.com, um, and, and that is plural. Uh, so basically, I mean, that's, that's a great way. Uh, our 800 number is 800-732-8660. And we are open from 8 a.m. till 8 p.m. Monday through Thursday, 8 to 5 on Friday. And we uh, we certainly have people available to answer questions. Uh, we have a lot of different opportunities for information that can be sent out to people with basically planning guides and idea kits, uh, videos. Uh, again, we're pretty impressed with our website, offering a very nice photo gallery, um, offering the ability of uh, you know watching some videos. We also have an app. Uh, you can actually build your own pool. Oh, uh, I like and, that. And, I want to do that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you can do uh, our, our swim spa or our endless pool. We also offer a dual prop. We have some families that, you know, their, their timing is critical. So they will actually get two swim currents in the same unit. It still yeah. has the return channels. Uh, but yeah, the ability of uh, offering an opportunity is pretty cool to build your own product online and, uh, you know, kind of play with the, uh, the cost of these items. Cool. All right. All right. Thanks, guys, for being on the call, and we'll be in touch soon. Thank you, Brad. Take care. All right. All right. Thanks, guys. And we are in the process of looking for a lot to build a new house. We're going to move and, and add a room to our house, and it's we're going to stay in the same neighborhood and everything. They're adding to our neighborhood, and we're trying to make sure that we have enough space on the lot to put an endless pool in if we can get the whole thing in the budget and get it done. And I was telling Emily, like, man, I grew up as a lifeguard um, on swim teams. I've been swimming uh, three, four times a week for uh, my entire adult life <laughs> after after college and after a short respite period of, of uh, swimming in beer, probably. But then uh, I've been, uh, you know, very active in the pools and, and having a lot of fun and if there's anybody that's a candidate for an endless pool oh and i have to drive uh to another city literally to another city to go swim uh every time i go swim so that gas adds up and the mileage on the car adds up and oh and we have a, a son you know that is getting into swimming and um and emily's uh type 1 diabetic and so the more exercise she gets the better and yeah man like uh if anybody's a candidate for a pool, it's us. The thing is, is I mean, you got to get it right. <laughs> you know, this isn't going to uh, this isn't going to Walmart and buying a cheap plastic pool that you throw out in your backyard. You know, this is this thing's a real investment. But so we're we're gonna try to work it out. So stay tuned to see what actually ends up happening with that. And let's see, we have a couple sponsor notes. Um, Sound Probiotics, Sound S O U N D. Probiotics. So probiotics are where you pop a pill and it helps the microfauna, the bacteria in your guts. And it helps you digest food better. It helps your immune system a whole lot better or perform a whole lot better. It makes you happier, healthier. It's scientifically proven. It is good stuff. When they contacted me and said, hey, we would like to do an ad spot on your show. I said, absolutely. And I've been taking... Um, one pill a day is, I think, the recommended dose. That's what I've been doing. I haven't looked at the bottle, the the, the instructions on the bottle for like a week now. But um, I've been doing it for about three, what do we say, about three weeks now, um, about. And Emily caught the flu. And guess who didn't? This guy right here. And um, 
that's I'm sad for Emily, but I'm proud for I'm happy for me, and um, I seem to just not get sick, man. It's freaking great, and I definitely definitely enjoy it. It's the other thing that's real zen about it is it's real easy. The pills don't taste like anything. It's super simple, easy to swallow. I put it next to uh, my toothpaste stuff, so just boom, pop pill, bang, done. And I am on the road on the way to my to my pool that's too far away. And you can do this too and get 10% off with a discount code ZENTRY. And I highly recommend that you do that so that they know that um, you got to them through the Zentry podcast. So again, discount code Zentry, all caps, 10% off Sound Probiotics. And you go to Sound Probiotics. I believe it's Sound... I don't, gosh, I don't have the link in front of me right this second. Soundprobiotics.com. And yeah, check it out, man. Okay, and then also, if you follow me on Twitter, Zentrathlon on Twitter, you'll see that lately I've been riding my bike down the west coast of New Zealand on a program called TrainerView. And TrainerView is actually a sub-property of realtimeathlete.com. So you go to realtimeathlete.com, boom, pops up this thing called TrainerView. And what it does is you draw on Google Maps a route, and then it stitches together stitches together the, uh, the uh, Google Street View from that route and puts it in a slideshow. And it's, it's a pretty fast slideshow, and you can ride around anywhere where there's Google Street View. And guess where there's Google Street View? Frickin' everywhere! <laughs> it's awesome! You can ride Norway, Hawaii, um, Georgia, Florida, uh, France. Uh, Germany is out of luck. Germany banned Google Street View, so they don't have any. But you can where else can you ride? Um, I haven't tried Hong Kong yet. I've uh, ridden around Japan. And um, I bet you South South Korea. It's a real trip to ride around where um, uh, through towns because a lot of times I'll ride through countryside. But where it gets really interesting is riding through towns. And so right now, um, because it's indoor trainer uh, time, I've been riding uh, down the coast of the of New Zealand. So on the west side is where I'm started at the northern tip. I rode out to the ocean point on the northern tip. And checked out all the people with surfboards and stuff like that. And turned around and then started riding down the west side. And I've been posting links to screenshots. And pretty soon, we're going to have links to uh, some of the rides I've been doing. And then you can follow along too. But go check it out. It's, again, a trainer view at realtimeathlete.com. And then there's a pro version that if you... Um, oh, and my goal is to ride all the way around New Zealand. <laughs> I'm going to see how long it takes at 16, 17 miles per hour, uh, uh, like uh, six hours a week, <laughs> seven hours a week, eight hours a week, something like that. See how far I actually get. And um, it's going to be a long trip, but it's cool because I just pick up where I left off and you can pick up where you left off riding if you get the pro version at, um, uh, let's see, you get a discount code, uh, $10 off the pro version with discount code Zentry. So you definitely want to do that. That's cool. Uh, same discount code as as uh, Sound Probiotics. And I can tell you, I've done this before. I've ridden uh, different places on Trainer View, and by the time you ride around at the street level and you see the traffic and the people walking around and the cyclists on the side of the road, um, you really do feel like you're um, you feel like you've been there. 
You really do. It's really, really cool. So by the time I go all the way around New Zealand, I'm going to feel like I've actually been to New Zealand for sure. It's weird. It's really weird. It feels like that. And it's also kind of weird. Once you're on the countryside, a lot of places look the same. It's pretty neat. Okay, so let's go ahead and get started with the training log. I take you with me for all kinds of crazy stuff. And yeah, this this one's a real adventure. I uh, do a lot of training with a weight vest on and about kill myself doing it. And Rocky Raccoon 50 is coming up. So uh, that's why I've been doing that. And running intervals on a treadmill at 10% grade with a weight vest. <laughs> and trail running with a weight vest, falling down. And my dog uh, uh, semi-rescuing me and just more like molesting me. And then uh, just lots of fun stuff like that. So that's a training log. Let's go ahead and get started with that. Here we go. You are entering the Zentrite training log zone. Kuneli. Hi everybody, my name is Brett, I'm a triathlete. I decided it's time I got some friends more suited to my status. But Joe, we've been friends for years. Hey, we all make mistakes. Come on dudes, let's go exercise! Exercise! Yeah! I'm gonna do sit-ups till I poop myself! Welcome to a new training log. Start eight! January 9th, oh, it's a Friday, and it dipped below freezing here a little bit, here in College Station, Texas, and I'm leaving the pool right now. I skipped yesterday swimming because it was 22 degrees outside, and uh, I had swam, swam uh, the two days prior to that, so I was like, you know what, this day I will skip it because Friday, which is today, it's still going to be plenty cold, and... Uh, but it was like 35 or something like that. The pool's heated, but man, a couple days ago, water was pretty cold, even though it was heated. It was pretty freaking cold. I was cold at work for a few days after that. I remember when I used to live in uh, San Diego, I'd go surfing in the morning and then go to work, and I would be cold until lunch. Bend over to tie my shoes, and salt water would run out of my nose because I'd been face slammed into the, into the bottom of the ocean multiple times. And it was awesome. But anyway, uh, those days are long ago. The, uh, the latest is all kinds of cool stuff. I went to the dentist, which is a concern for endurance athletes, and my teeth were wonderful. And that's a big change from what they were before. And the show is all about tips and things that I've tried that I need to share with other people. And when my teeth got crazy cavity uh, ridden, especially between the teeth, I was uh, drinking lots of green smoothies, which are, I believe, uh, sugary and acidic. And I was also raw vegan, uh, mostly, off and on, mostly, and then for a while. And um, I wonder if the lack of uh, some kind of food group uh, sends your body out of whack. I was tired all the time, that was for sure. And then, um, but do what you want. And then you got to figure that stuff out on your own. And then the, uh, let me turn my windshield wipers on a little bit more. I'm driving in the rain. It's a safe drive though, it's cool. And then also around the same time, I was drinking tons of um, that carbonated water. I forgot the soda stream water. And then I got a little curious and Googled it. And carbonic acid is created with the carbonation 
in carbonated water and it eats up your teeth. So I quit drinking that as well just recently and all of a sudden my teeth stopped having cavities. How about that? So it's hard to tell, you know, which one is the real cause or if it's the, the mix something like that because I was in a frenzy of quitting a whole bunch of stuff all at once. <laughs> I'm like, this is stupid. Anyway, uh, I got to quit having cavities. That sucks. And then um, speaking of that, I started putting on weight and I was trying to figure out why. I was, you know, half a pound a day, a pound, you know, and it was just like, what the hell is going on? And I looked at what I was doing. Emily was buying potato chips and cooking chocolate chip cookies constantly. And so I yelled at her to quit doing that. And then uh, and she argued with me, which was really funny. I may have talked about that on the last podcast. And then, uh, but I got her to quit making chocolate chip cookies like, it, like her reaction to the uh, sun coming up. And then, uh, but another one was in the afternoon at work, I was going and buying a um, Diet Coke, sometimes a 20-ounce Diet Coke. And I think... There's something to that stuff. I've heard this before where the diet drinks actually make you put on weight. And I quit drinking those. And all of a sudden my weight started dropping. And I'm back down to where I was a couple of weeks ago, just in a few days. And uh, that's that's really interesting. And then uh, it's time for me to uh, buy a new pair of running shoes. I've got the Rocky Raccoon 50 coming up. And... Um, even though it's trail running, it's not like crazy technical trails. It's just roots. And uh, so I just wear regular running shoes I've learned over the years. And my uh, Adidas Boost, um, there's different models of Adidas Boost, but Adidas Boost have TPU, um, thermoplastic urethane, in the mid is what the midsole is made out of. And they are insanely well, uh, well made. They're in awesome shoes they are incredible it feels like you're running on pillows all the time and they're just amazing the car in front of me has a redneck written in big stickers across the back and he's a bow hunter and the um sorry that distracted me (laughs) um the uh those shoes have lasted about a year and they're fine like they're at the top the uppers of the shoe are starting to come apart and the sole of the shoe is just fine and um so if you're looking for a pair of shoes i highly recommend checking out the adidas boost they're a little expensive but they're nothing terrible and um i have probably put if if i do 50 miles a week which i don't really i do somewhere between 40 and 50 for a year so 50 times 52 you know, somewhere around 23 to 2,500 uh, miles on a pair of shoes, and they're fine. Like, they're fine. They're great. I could keep wearing them, but what I'm going to do is buy new shoes. I'm going to try to buy them. I have to find them at, at Academy or whatever uh, before the race. Now's a good time. we got a month out until the race, and uh, then uh, we'll... Uh, they'll be broken in and stuff like that I want my best ever split in the 50 miler is in a pair of Nike freeze and it was dumping rain <laughs> which goes to show you that you don't really need um, uh, it just totally it depends on the race you don't have to have uh, trail running shoes for running trails um, one thing that a friend taught me 
is that one of the most important things is shoes that shed mud and water. You know, because if you get waterproof shoes, they tend to hold on to mud and water inside. And as long as you're generating body heat, you'll be fine. And uh, as far as uh, staying warm, and you need to be able to get that water out of your shoes so they're not heavy. And those Nike Freeze definitely fit the bill. That was pretty. That was pretty freaking nuts. All right, um, I've also been working on um, nutrition and fueling for workouts. And I always feel like I'm zeroing in ever, 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 ever closer. Something I tried the other the other day. I've tried twice now in the past couple of days, and found it to be uh, really nice. Is about an eight ounce to ten ounce uh, glass of juice, and not orange juice is pretty acidic, so stay away from orange juice. But like apple juice is pretty good, and um, before a workout, and if you're eating really healthy and clean then you tend to not have a whole lot of glycogen stored up for a workout and you can bottom out in a workout pretty quick. So drinking a glass of juice before your workout gets you amped up, you know, and then you get some vitamins and some nutrition in you and you feel good and you're going to burn off that glass of juice uh, during your workout pretty freaking quick. Um, Glass of juice like that, you know, 100, 150 calories. And I just looked at my swim that I did and it was 700 calories in an hour. <laughs> so, you know, and on the, or maybe it was at my bike. I did bike intervals last night. 700 calories in an hour. You're, you're not even going to come close to touching that. And then you'll be able to um, uh, <clears throat> be well fueled so that between workouts, you're not craving carbs quite so much. Anyway, I'm at W to the ERK. Going to go in and get some stuff done. Be back in a bit. Out, bang. All right, we are back. Oh my God, uh, it's been a few days. I've been busy or something. I don't know what's going on, but uh, I'm in the Zentri Mobile Studios again, driving the W to the ERK from the swimming pool. And I did something crazy last night. I haven't done in a long time. Uh, I've ran treadmill intervals while wearing a weight vest, and I'll tell you about that in a second. I wanted to say that I just finished eating an Amrita bar off the air so I wasn't chewing it while I'm recording and like I get all those crazy people who've got some sort of neurotic whatever they can't stand that (laughs) and uh, let's see there was something else oh man I finished my swim and it's so cold wear my jacket I wear my jacket right to the edge of the pool and put it on this picnic table and um, sometimes my jacket uh, I'll wear my headphones and uh, keep my phone in my pocket all the way to the edge of the deck because sometimes the pool plays country music uh, over the loudspeaker system in this outdoor pool. And there is nothing less motivating than... I got drunk last night. I'll never get away from my diabetes trailer park like that. It, it's so frustrating to go to the pool for a workout, and you got to hear that stuff. And uh, so sometimes I wear my headphones right to the edge of the pool and playing like death metal or um, uh, Megadeth and Metallica and Black Label Society is really good I highly recommend it and uh, 
I finished my swim and I'm sitting, I'm still waist deep in the water. And I need to get over, dude. Okay. I'm still waist deep in the water trying to catch my breath, you know, because I just finished an interval and I'm about to get out of the water in just a few moments. And then my, I feel my watch vibrate on my wrist and it goes, uh, and this is a Garmin 920, and it goes, uh, workout uploaded. <laughs> and I was like, what the hell, man? It, this is cool. Before I even get out of the pool, my workout is uploaded to my training log. Isn't that freaking cool, man? Um, I'm my, you know, this is a Garmin, but I imagine that the Sunto probably does the same. And the Polar, if the Polar is Bluetooth connected to a phone, does the same, the higher end one. And uh, what a different world we live in, you know, than just a few years ago. I mean, I knew this was coming. I just couldn't, uh, couldn't imagine when it finally did. Uh, where it's wireless and things just upload and they're done and it's it's a little bit janky with um you know bluetooth not working all the time and stuff like that so that'll improve someday where it's stuff i almost said it s word stuff just freaking works you know and they dump some r&r r&r r&d into um you know, making things actually work all the time instead of dropping connections and stuff. But anyway, there's that. Okay, so let's talk. Um, let's talk weight vest. So a few years ago, I interviewed William Seichel, who is a like a six day running event, and yes, that's for real. Uh, world champion. They run around a track for like three, four, five, six days. There's different events, but yeah, six days, and. He lives where it's pretty flat on a little tiny island off of Scotland, I think. And he, uh, you know, no no hills, no mountains and stuff like that. But uh, he trains with another guy that's like an expert in training. And I interviewed him and it was fascinating. He wears a weight vest a lot. And that extra, that extra pounding from the weight and also runs on a treadmill with, with uh, hill intervals. And that extra pounding of the weight, like, really toughens up your legs. And so a couple years ago, maybe three years ago, I got a weight vest. Um, there isn't a great one for running. And I'll, th- I'll figure out the name and the brand some other time. It's not a big deal. I doubt a lot of you are going to do this. And ran with it some. And holy crap, man. So then I, that's when I uh, got my PR at the Rocky Raccoon 50. And I was just laughing like the whole time that I'm running. It was insane like uh, how much easier it was because I was used to doing um, running with a 22-pound weight vest. So last night I was doing hill intervals. And even at 10% grade, my intervals have gotten to the point where they're not that – they're not stressful enough. Um there's not enough resistance to really work my legs so that they burn on this treadmill. And I, I could run faster maybe or something like that. But I was just looking for resistance, you know, to beef up the legs. So I threw on this weight vest. <laughs> I found it in the garage and put it on. And um, it's so heavy. And it doesn't, even though it's a it's the right size, it bounces a little bit. I'm thinking about putting a bungee cord around it so it's like it flexes and stretches and contours the body a little bit more. Um because it's got Velcro straps right now. And it bounces. And uh, so you have to wear like a shirt under it, like a workout shirt, 
like an Under Armour or uh, you know synthetic whatever fabric shirt, so it doesn't scrape your body up so much. Um, but about 15 minutes in to my run last night on the treadmill, I put that thing on and ran the rest of the run with it on. <laughs> and when I left the the uh, treadmill room, um, the training the training hole. When I left there and came out in the living room, Emily goes, what the hell? Are you all right in there? And I was like, oh, my God, that was awesome. That was so good. And you can feel it mostly in the uh, lower legs and the ankles and in the plantar uh, fasciitis kind of um, tendons um, and the lower back a little bit. It added stress, and that's the and that's the kind of the... Um, Plus, it was harder in general. Um, two things. That's one. That's the uh, those are the parts of your body that when you run too far or longer than you're used to, so like a fifty miler, which I'm training for, then uh, you those are the parts of your body that freaking hurt. You know. So if you can toughen those up, well, the only way to toughen those up is either to run a ton of volume or add weight. And then the other thing is this was just twenty two pounds. And it's insane how much harder it makes running when you put on a 22-pound vest. And then you think about that most of us, I'm 10 pounds overweight, and uh, most of us are running with 25, 30, 40, 50 pounds of extra weight, and that's just average overweight. You know, that's not extreme overweight. And we're, uh, we're trying to exercise and run and all this other stuff, and... Um, and how much faster you would be if you if you lost that weight. I mean, it is hard running with 22 pounds. Really, really hard. And it really drives home how um, it, it exhausts you so much faster. It really drives home how much um, how much faster you could be if you got down to your ideal body weight. So something to think about. Y'all stay safe out there. Bang. Be back later. All right, we're back. It's Friday morning. I guess it's been two days since I did that uh, <laughs> that run with the uh, weight vest and all that. And um, I was running this morning with Kona, and I uh, my left shin muscle, whatever muscle that is, is after I was done, not while I was running, but after I was done, freaking this hurts, man. It's like pulsing and sore and such. And that's, uh, it just goes to show, you know, running with a weight vest or doing something different and harder really works muscles that you've, uh, that you're not working. And that's going to really come in handy at the uh, Rocky Raccoon to have those muscles toughened up. And the plantar fasciitis muscles were, or those are tendons, are a little bit sore, not too bad. And yeah, just running, running outside. So yesterday I went by my local running store, Brazos Running Company, B-R-A-Z-O-S. And it's one of those, Brazos is one of those um, words that if you're a local, you say it correctly and you can tell if somebody's not a local because they say Brazos. (laughs) And you can tell if a commercial, a local commercial was made by an out of town uh, speaker and they, they'll say the best deals in the Brazos Valley. And, uh, sorry, trying to jigger, 
is that a word? My way into into a turning lane. Somebody trying to be aggressive and not let me in. It's a Texas man. We got all the space in the world. Back off. You don't have to be rude. Uh, or was that thing in Japan where people flash their lights twice to let you in? As a th- no, after you do something nice to them, they flash their lights twice, like it's blinking, like thank you, like that. It's pretty cool. Um, then, so oh, I swung by there to see if they have Adidas shoes, and they don't. Oh, and by the way, I ordered Adidas Boost shoes. Uh, oh, I forgot the name of it. I'll, for- I'll remember it in a second. It's a longer name, and I didn't like them. They're heavier than my other ones. So I sent them back. But I do have to say that ordering shoes off of adidas.com is nice and easy. And if you get last year's models, man, they're super cheap compared to this year's. And all around, just like a really nice experience. Um, Not too difficult to get around the website. I think a lot of these companies have learned after Zappos and Amazon just freaking ate their lunch, you know. (laughs) That it's customer service and transparency that just makes stuff so nice. Um, so anyway, uh, I'm waiting for my shoes to get back to, um, adidas.com and then they'll give me a credit and then I can use that towards the right pair of shoes that I want. But, uh, while I was, while I was waiting, I thought I'd swing by Brazos running company and see if they had Adidas boost and they don't, it's, you know, like stores carry just particular lines of stuff and they don't carry Adidas, um, which is too bad. And they had all that Hoka stuff, um, which with the Adidas Boost material, if you get Energy Boost for sure, I think you're getting all the Hoka um, soft cushioning without the giant soft shoe underneath. But anyway, um, so while I was there, I uh, was looking at a handheld running water bottle, you know, one with the little strap, and I found one made by Nathan that was actually pretty cool. It's got a little pouch on the strap as well, and it's actually big enough to hold an iPhone 5, not one of these six giant phablet phones that you get now. But um, but I was I wouldn't carry my phone in it probably, but I would carry my um, uh, salt pills, you know, and maybe a gel or something like that. It's always nice to have pockets. There's a funny uh, YouTube video of. Uh, it's one of those computer animated ones where you you write the script and then it just reads it. And these were popular a couple of years ago, and it's funny. And uh, they were talking of trail running and pockets, just all these pockets for trail running. <laughs> it's very important to have lots and lots of pockets. So anyway, there's a pocket on it on the on the hand strap. So I was running with it this morning. Oh, and then I also so that's a Nathan running ball. It was pretty nice. Um, and then the other one, the other thing that I got was a Amphipod which is a brand I really, really like. And it's not Amphibian, multi-sport. It's Amphipod, like Amphibian Pod. Um, uh, light that you clip to the brim of your hat. So it's just a little light and it runs on two 2032, I think, um, you know, watch batteries. And I was like, oh, cool, I'll try that. So I got it. And it worked really, really nicely. I don't think they're waterproof, and that's a bummer because if you're trail running and it starts raining, you're kind of screwed. you got to keep going. But it was nice uh, running and then feeling, with that light on, feeling uh, like I knew that cars could see me, you know? And it made my, my running just a whole lot, lot better because I'm running at night. 
but the coolest thing was running with a water bottle in my hand um, that allowed an extra I, I already run with two water bottles on my hips and they're um, they're about 10 ounces each so you're talking 20 ounces of water and then and this is for an hour plus run but mostly an hour and then another 20 ounces let's say in the hand um, once you get used to it it doesn't feel like anything you don't even notice it and um, that amount of water when you're training you're supposed to uh, drink about a liter of water per hour um, because that's about how much you're sweating out and then more if it's hot a liter and a half you know or more depending on where you're running how hot it is and um, and then also if you eat kind of lean if you don't overeat then you need fuel while you're training uh, and so that was just a wonderful amount of hydration and uh, it made my run just feel really, really good. I was super stoked uh, while doing that. And you, if you do training right, you know, then when, you, uh, when you're recovering for your next training set session, uh, your body recovers better and then you can train better and that's how you get faster. So you want to do things right in training. And plus it's good training for uh, race day. Because uh, Emily was like laughing at me. She's like, a liter per hour? And I'm like, yeah. And you may not notice it the first hour, but once you start getting into hour two and then in hour three, you're toast if, you don't, if you're not drinking a liter per hour starting uh, a little bit in the hour one. Anyway, so that's it. Be back. Bing. All right. Back in the Zentri home studios. In the, I'm actually in the training cave. I got Kona with me. We just went for a, was about a seven and a half mile run. Kona, what do you think? You're going to talk to the audience? <laughs> anyway, um, on the run with Rocky Raccoon coming up, uh, I ran, I don't have trails near my house without having to drive somewhere and, you know, having a kid and a job and all this other crap and Ironman training, uh, you know, driving somewhere to go work out if you don't have to. It just is a huge, it's a huge time suck. So, um. What I've learned to do is run, and uh, while I'm running, seek out really uneven surfaces. And what I'm talking about is the issue that when you trail run and you don't run on trails all the time, well, then it ends up twisting and banging up your ankles like really, really bad, badly to the point of where it deprecates your ability um, pretty quickly to run because um, you're your muscles aren't used to the, and your tendons aren't used to the stretching and twisting of trail running on hitting, hitting all the roots and rocks and uneven surfaces. And it adds up pretty quickly. And then like an hour, <laughs> if you're used to running on streets, go run trails and you'll see, um, in about an hour, your ankles are, are, uh, toasted pretty good. So, um, to work on that, um, Running on streets, I got one thing is uh, running on grass is uh, where available. That's my route that I run on a lot. Has um, a big, long stretch of road. I would say 70 to 75% of this one particular run route I can do has uh, grass and um, dirt and crap like that all along the edge of the road. And so you can run on that. And then I also figured something out. Um, 
And you, oh, and yeah, you can feel it working the ankles really good. And it slows you down, which shows you that it's um, working. And then the other thing is uh, the subdivision I live in, um, it's about 10 years old now, 12, 15 years old. So the, the asphalt uh, where it meets the concrete curb uh, is old and it's pulling away, it's rising above, it's falling below. And if you run right on that seam line um, carefully and with judgment, because there's times where you don't want to do it because um, it's too much, it will randomly just twist and, and drop your ankle. And on a, once every few minutes, it'll give you a real surprise <laughs> and really twist you pretty good. And you got to be careful because you might twist your ankle uh, too much. And yeah, uh, so I just did seven and a half miles of that. And it was uh, significantly slower, like half a mile, three quarters of a mile slower than usual for the same effort. Minute mile, uh, minute per mile slower. Kona just laid down on my foot. He's so happy. Are you a happy boy? Huh? That was a nice long run. Oh, and then the, um, it's Saturday, by the way. The fueling, uh, I thought I'd try something fun. So I mentioned earlier about a lot of water. It makes you uh, have better workouts because you mixes up your fuel. So you have the right ratio. It's kind of like gas, you know. Like if the blend of the gasoline isn't right, then you choke your car or you starve your car. And um, if you get the mix right, then your car performs really, really well. So you always got to be saying, am I doing the optimum optimum mix of uh, fuel to uh, water to uh, let it blend in electrolytes, I guess. So um, I'd have to measure out how many liters of water this is. But let's say it's uh, a liter, let's say it's about a liter and a quarter of water and um, that I take with me and maybe not quite that much. And um, three scoops of maltodextrin powder, which is almost 100 calories each. And the coolest you can bulk you can bulk order or go buy a bulk bag of maltodextrin powder and then weigh it. Um, it's four calories per gram. So I think that's right. And so if you got 25 grams, so you weigh it on a scale, and then you know how much how many calories your scoop holds. So. I'm doing 100 calories per scoop, and I mixed in three scoops of maltodextrin powder in these water bottles while I'm running, uh, well, before I left. And so while I'm running, I'm, I'm sipping on it. You know, as I'm thirsty, I just drink. And, man, you can barely, barely, barely taste it. Oh, and I sprinkled in some sea salt with it. And it just tastes freaking great, man. Like, it tastes like nothing. It tastes like just drinking water, yet you, you just have just this nice, low, constant level of energy. It's pretty interesting. Um, I definitely recommend trying it out. And um, yeah, the maltodextrin solution. <laughs> oh, and I've been watching. Oh, yeah, that reminds me. I've been watching videos. I'm getting sucked in a little bit too much into the potato starch starch solution cult mindset. Um, I like it. And it allows you to eat um, pretty healthy uh because yeah, it's you know starchy sugar and all that stuff, but um, it's actually kind of lower calorie than you would think, and um, 
and then the calories that you do you use to burn off and, and then overall you're like really you know you're getting your your veggies and all kinds of stuff i mean like it's it's pretty freaking good so a potato is awesome and a potato is actually like super healthy for you like it is supposedly just crammed with nutrition and then um turns out i never really got into this before i mean i remembered it when i started doing it again but i'd forgotten um cooking a potato is so easy you put it you you scrub it with a potato brush uh get all dirt off the outside but don't go crazy with it because maybe some of that dirt's got some b12 in it i guess and then you um uh you scrub it uh put it on a microwave safe plate throw it in the microwave Put it on, oh, poke it with a fork a bunch of times so it won't explode. And then um, you put it in the microwave for five minutes. Then uh, flip it and turn it. And that way, you know, it cooks evenly. And then do another five minutes and um, then let it cool down. And I put, I did that. And yesterday I, uh, I put it in a Ziploc bag and just sprinkled sea salt in the, in the Ziploc bag and then just ate it out of the Ziploc bag without ever mashing it up. I ate it like a banana. You know what I mean? Like, the, you know, just like you're holding it like a potato in your hand. And don't peel it, by the way. The, the Like almost all the nutrition, the good stuff, I wouldn't say almost all, a lot of the nutrition and good stuff and the fiber is in the peel of the potato. So you want to eat the, the peel. And, um, but what I, so I was eating it out of a Ziploc bag and the Ziploc bag with some sea salt and it ended up getting sea salt kind of all over the potato. So I was eating it out of the Ziploc bag. And then um, this morning, that was yesterday, this morning I did the same thing and um, I was walking around the house eating the potato, not out of a Ziploc bag, just holding it in my hand. <laughs> and uh, um, and I, I noticed that the, the peel acts like a banana, it acts like a grip on the thing. It's kind of funny. You could just sit there and hold it and uh, and just eat the potato. And I was walking around getting my running stuff together, just eating the top of a potato and working my way down it. Um, and a potato is, um, in, in clinical testing, a potato is, I think, the most filling food that exists. It fills you up the most. And it's actually pretty low calorie. Uh, a big freaking, like a monster potato a huge potato, like a giant potato, is like 250 calories. That's the same as like a Cliff Bar. Now, you eat a Cliff Bar, you power through that thing in like 30 seconds because it tastes so freaking good. And then a little while later, you're like, I need another Cliff Bar. Try to try to eat a giant potato and watch what happens. It like, it, um, it just, it's amazing. Like, it just fills you up. It's so good. And then the crazy thing is, if you watch um, YouTube videos of people that are all doing, uh, you know, they're switching over from, let's say, uh, fruit, like primarily fruit or some unhealthy, I'm not saying fruit's unhealthy, but I'm saying, or some unhealthy diet, um, and they start eating like potatoes and stuff like that, and they start doing the um, the starch solution is what it's called. And they, they say, it is really, really weird. One, I like it. Two, because <laughs> a lot of people are like, I don't like this diet. Like, and, then, and then two, um, the foods are really, really good. They taste great. And then, um, you know, because potatoes, all you do with a potato or a bag of rice or something like that is you can flavor it any way you want. I like adding sriracha to mine. Um, 
so but you just don't add butter because the butter adds in all the calories again so you just do you go really light on any butter oil or none at all and then um you'll get that somewhere else in your diet my theory is and then uh the um uh brain fart brain fart brain fart the potato oh um they say that it's really really weird that the that they feel like it takes hours for them to get hungry again and that's really really bizarre so the potato even though even though it's starch and people assume that starch acts really fast it actually doesn't and um there's something about it where it just sits in your belly and then gets slowly burned like a like like a charcoal like you know like like a slow <laughs> i'm trying to come up with a word for it but anyway so they're saying this and i'm and i'm like they're right it's really really weird when you eat a potato you are not hungry for a long time and it's the opposite of eating something like um like something that's fructose so like eating the same amount of calories in like a fruit drink or something like that is um one it's super sweet in your mouth which annoys me i don't like candy all that much and uh so it's like like all the sweet and then um you know like 20 30 minutes later you're like bam i need more calories <laughs> and the potato is actually um opposite of that it's the weirdest thing i've never i've never really uh uh, seen anything like it and i'm telling you first person i mean for me it, it's totally true it's really weird but anyway don't take nutrition advice from me i'm crazy all right that's it i'm gonna go swim in a little bit be back later out oh the um running with the weight vest two days ago made running today like holy crap that was so easy like all the uneven stuff and anything that was difficult um <laughs> in one workout my legs were like super tough so I'm probably going to do the weight vest again tomorrow. All right, out, Bing. All right. Had a nice little swim Saturday, middle of the day. Well, it's almost 2 o'clock now that I'm done. And uh, driving home. Lots of endless pool stuff going on on the interwebs. People sending me messages of a uh, big slow twitch conversation of how much it actually takes, how much money it takes to run an endless pool. I got an interview with endless pool coming up soon. Um, also, I'm um, listening to an audiobook called The Organized Mind, and it's great because it's really long, which means you get a lot for your money. And the, uh, there's a, a bit that I just listened to. What, what I do is when I hear something that could, I'm like, whoa, that's really cool, like a Zen flash in my mind of like, hey, that's useful information. I've learned to stop all music or audiobooks or whatever I'm listening to and let it sink in a few times you know, and let, let me really absorb it. And then, uh, then after I'm, then when I'm done with it, then turn stuff back on. So I, uh, there's a part in there where it says, um, they're talking about, you, you know, if you don't get enough sleep then your memory doesn't work right and all that other stuff. And there's a part where they say, um, stilling, being quiet and I wouldn't say meditating, but taking time, oh, taking time to daydream, that's what it was, which really is just, you know, not doing anything and letting your mind kind of wander, um, gives your mind the space to, um, for executive function to work. And I thought that was really interesting because, um, your primal brain 
reacts on fear and food and dumb stuff. And um, if you your executive function is where you plan out ahead of time what the right thing to do is, and then you're way more likely. Uh, that's what they call people executives, <laughs> because an executive class and all that other stuff is because you're smarter, and you can. Um, uh, if if you use executive function, you can uh, defend yourself against primal stuff like getting in the fights and doing stupid stuff when you shouldn't do it, and overeating and reacting too fast, overreacting um, instead of reacting properly, which is a Zen thing. Is appropriate response is Zen happiness, and the um, what I really liked was if you give yourself time to daydream then um, it gives the executive function in your brain time to think about what to do next. Because whenever it is next, the next situation, then um, now you're in, the, you're in the situation, you're in the mix, and you don't have time to think about what the right thing to do is. So let me give you an example. Um, let's say I was driving home from the pool and... I was listening to audiobooks and music and stuff like that. My mind is, um, and lots of jibber jabber. <laughs> you got the jibber jabber. And uh, then my mind is occupied. It's always, you know, trying to analyze the lyrics and what does this mean? And all this. So my mind's busy, right? Um, and then when I get home, I get out of the car, walk in the house, and then I'm immediately like, I don't have a plan of what the right thing to do is now. Now, uh, and then I end up surfing the internet and not getting stuff done. And next thing I know, it's dinner time, and then I'm tired, and I won't get in a bike ride and all this. So, um, let's say I turn off all everything, and on my ride home, just allow myself to quote unquote daydream, which means don't do anything. And on the ride home, instead, you end up thinking about what you're going to do when you get home, and then you can go, okay, when I get home. And this is why the this this is exactly why the mind is um, a planning. Mind. This is what makes us human: is we're always planning, 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 right? And scenarios, scenarios, and uh, overanalyzing and stuff, right? Um, now, if you don't do it right, well, then you're always worrying about stuff, right? That may or may not happen. But if you do it right, what you do is you end up going through different scenarios of what could happen in the future, right? And then um, you come up with the appropriate response for that scenario. And then you don't worry about it if one scenario doesn't happen or does or, or something like that. So let's say you're planning, you're thinking about a race. Well, then what you do is you go, okay, what happens if I drop a, what What happens if I drop my fuel bottle? What do I do? And you're like, okay, well, Ironman Perform is about so many calories. So I drink about so many of those bottles. So I'll pick up those at the uh, aid station. Okay, what happens if I have a flat tire? Right, and you're like, okay, I got a flat kit, and then and, uh, and I know how to change a flat, so I'm all good there. Okay, so what happens if I get a blister? Okay, I run with one of those little lip therapy uh, Vaseline things, and then I'll stop and put Vaseline on the um, on the hot spot. Okay, yeah, you know, so you um, the purpose of worrying about a future is so that you can have strategies, so so that your executive function come up, can come up with strategies to um, to apply. And because we're, we can do that, we are freaking amazing, <laughs> you know? It's like, uh, well, it might get cold. Okay, well, then I'll bring a jacket, you know? And 
And so you're planning for things. You don't want to over plan and freak out too much. But the on the drive home, while I'm sitting here going, okay, what are the different scenarios scenarios that could happen uh, when I get home, right? Now, one thing I don't worry about is having a flat tire or whatever, because that's so rare that I don't, on my drive home, or my car breaking down, that's so rare that it's not worth worrying about. But what is worth worrying about is on my ride home, um, I think about, okay, what if Emily and Kai want me to do something with them? Like, how, how, uh, how should I react? And of course, you should react, like, totally. And then, um, what if I get home and uh, what should I eat that's appropriate? Uh, this is a really good one. Uh, so on my drive home, I can sit there and analyze, like, before I get home, what are some healthy things to eat that I know I have in the fridge and the pantry? Right? And in the fruit bowl. And now I can get my executive function has performed. And when I get home, I make the right choices because I've already run through them in my mind. And I go through in my mind uh, what to do if I start thinking about bad choices. Okay, if you start thinking about cake or beer or something like that, then do this or do that, you know? And it, it works. It works really, really well. So I never had it phrased to me kind of in the way of, of um, like that. That daydreaming time um, is good for your executive function to kind of clear out and plan for upcoming events. And now that I know that, I'm going to use it, man. I'm going to use it a lot. I used to do that when I used to swim in high school. Because you can't do anything else, so you're just sitting there swimming laps. You can't hear anything. It's just white noise. And kind of think about what's coming up and what's going on. And what's what are you going to do in this situation, this girl, you know? Starts uh, winking at you in the cafeteria. <laughs> but anyway, um, so there's that. And yeah, the book is called The Organized Mind. I don't like the narrator so much. He's a, he's a little much. But anyway, oh, I was going to talk about the swim. On the swim, I um, did intervals. But you can actually do intervals in swimming where you pull really hard. It's not quite the high cadence, but it's hard pull. And you keep doing intervals like that and then swim super easy in between. And you can feel it working your muscles. And then your muscles get nice and strong. And then um, what, what happens is, is once you get fit enough to do the, to do the time for whatever race, uh, let's say you're going to do a half Ironman, and you know that you can go like four hours, five hours or something like that in a... Um, in a uh, working out straight, well, then your aerobic ability really isn't quite the limiter so much. It's uh, you should be working on your strength so that you cover the distance even faster because you don't get worn out. Because what happens if you're not strong enough? This is really important. Uh, if you're not strong enough to do something, well, then your aerobic system has to kick in to react to that and feed you more air and fuel to your muscles because they're just, they're not strong enough to do it passively. And so let's say um, you can generate, let's say you're strong enough to put out a huge amount of watts on the bike. Well, then you can back down from those watts, um, you know, 50%. And you're barely trying, and then, uh, but you're still fast, as fast or faster than somebody 
that um, isn't as strong, but is trying really hard, you know? So one thing to always think about is, are you sitting out there just getting more and more aerobically fit, but you're not actually making your muscles any stronger? So let's say in swimming, you mix in intervals with your swimming that are hard on the upper body. It feels like you're wearing hand paddles, or you could wear hand paddles. That's how hard you're pulling, and it's really stressing your muscles. Well, then you build up a lot of strength in your arms and shoulders and, uh, and your neck and your torso and your abs. Uh, and then when you actually go swim, you can swim at a pretty good clip without actually getting tired, especially because you worked on the strength thing, doing the thing that is, um, that is uh, the sport itself instead of like just in the weight room or something like that. You're working on the coordination at the same time because being uncoordinated will wear you out too. Wear you out pretty good. I see a cat in the neighbor's garage. We probably just peed all over everything. Gotta watch out for cats like that. Make your garage stink. Out, bang. All right. Kona and I. My big... Why are you laying all over my clothes? Oh, you're filthy, dog. Oh, now he's just looking at me like I'm screaming. Well, I guess I am yelling at him. Hey. Oh, my God. I gave him this huge hard space to lay on, and now he's laying on all my clothes. Moved them all over there because you're filthy. Okay, we just went trail running. And, uh, oh, wait, I might have to stop the recording here. I'm going to get some people staring at me. Just went trail running and with Kona wearing a weight vest. And that was freaking epic, man. That was so hard. And we're at Milliken Reserve, which is a big cattle farm that's been converted into a trail running place and mountain biking and stuff. Um, barely. <laughs> it's pretty rugged. And, um, man, one time I tripped and fell down hard and Kona came running back and gave me a lick on the face, made sure I was okay. And we did, uh, eight to nine miles over an hour and a half. And I started developing blisters on my instep. I think all the extra weight starts doing some crazy stuff. Or makes your feet kind of roll in a little bit. And I'm actually really, really happy because um, my quads, even carrying all that extra weight and trail running, my quads never, ever struggled at all. And I think that's from running uh, hill repeats on the treadmill at a steep grade. And um, my ankles and hips and everything seemed to be really, really tough. And it didn't seem to bother me at all either. Um, towards the very end, I started getting exhausted, and um, I think I was not paying so much attention to my fueling anymore, and I was getting towards the end anyway, so I was kind of just letting it go, but uh, it was pretty freaking rad, and now I've spent the last uh, five, ten minutes in my car um, trying to fiddle with my stupid Garmin 920 that doesn't want to connect to my phone to upload my workout, and I I hear lots of uh, static on the interwebs, the Twitter nets about people complaining about Garmin's uh, uh, Garmin Connect is their upload site not uh, working right um, and things aren't working correctly and stuff like that. And uh, a little bit of sympathy for Garmin and, it, and any of these companies that try to run this stuff. Stuff's hard, man. And you're talking about a bazillion users live. Um, that have expectations, unreal expectations, really. Um, they, the whole point is to make it so simple looking 
so that people want to use it. But then behind the scenes, the amount of technology that's going on is freaking crazy. All right. Um, this was a good, good run, good run. I uh, uh, just wore regular running shoes, energy boost, and it was fine. And um, yeah, things are looking good. Looks like the weight vest, smart idea. Very, very smart. Got, I've gotten pretty used to it now. And man, it makes things intense. Okay, out, bang. All right, well, let's go ahead and wrap up the show. I've been waiting for a good, <laughs> for a good, a good breaking point to wrap up the show. We're not going to do any interviews of the show. I haven't felt like actually trying to round up an interview and go through all that. It's tough, man. It's tough uh, securing an interview and scheduling the time. And um, if you're working full time and a and a dad with an active kid and you're trying to train for stuff, then you need energy and time to do um, to think out. It's really weird. You have to think about scheduling time for an interview. I've got like four or five interviews that potentially, but um, none of them are scheduled because I haven't had the energy, I guess, the space to um, to line them up. Emily and I are looking at. Uh, selling our house and moving to a new place. And one of the places I really like that we looked at is this uh, house that's it's uh, out in the country just a little bit. Not It's totally within like easy access to schools, and it's even more accessed than we are right now to uh, shopping and schools and stuff like that. But it's just like, it's just relaxed and nice. And there's a whole lot with stress that makes you energized or or uh, tired. And this house, I haven't looked at the inside yet, so I have no idea. But it's got a swimming pool in the backyard, and it's got like a gravel driveway, and it's on maybe half an acre or something like that, and um, maybe, I guess. But it just, it just feels relaxed, and it's like just looking at the pictures and driving by it and looking around, and um, and it's like, man, that's... That's uh, something I could I could deal with right now. That would be really really cool. <laughs> and with a pool, we could put in an endless pool fast lane, which is their um, it's their motorized thing that you just throw on the on the side of a pool, and you have to install it kind of. But the um, uh, think about like if we had space, then I could do um, triathlon coaching with uh, a trainer and you know in a treadmill and the fast lane and just do clinics and just coach people all day and be like, okay, this is what you need to work on. And with all the gadgetry nowadays, it's so nice. You can video people and the fast lane would probably pay for itself like pretty quickly. And um, it's on the edge of like, if you go a hundred feet one direction, it's neighborhood with sidewalk and street lights and stuff like that. And if you go a hundred feet the other direction, it's, uh, quarter to full acre lots with uh, asphalt and woods and just rambling homes that are just quiet and then access to cycling out in the countryside, you know? So I'm kind of like, man, I kind of like this a little bit, but again, I've never seen the inside of it, so who knows? And then let's see, let's go ahead and do some emails and donations. I need to mention these. And while I'm thinking about it, while I'm digging these up, um, 
Yesterday, I did my trail run with a weight vest. It's 25 pounds. I looked it up. Uh, the one that I ordered. It's 20. I could have just gotten on a scale and weighed it before and after. And it's, uh, oh, and if you hear yelling and stuff, that's Kai on the trampoline out back with two of his friends. And uh, that that trail run yesterday, I, mean, I went for a bike ride uh, afterwards, later in the afternoon, uh, for an hour and a half uh, to get three hours in for the day. And man, I was toasted, like nicely toasted. <laughs> I was like, wow, that freaking cooked me. And then Kai wanted to, my 10-year-old wanted to go um, lift weights today. And he went to go yesterday and, and it didn't work out. So today we went and it's more fun. It's more joking around than anything else, but it's exposure, right? So showing them, you know, kind of what lifting weights is about. And then you show him videos on YouTube of people before and after lifting weights and he makes the connection. And the, um, so he likes it. He wants to, he likes doing it and stuff, but he'll get bored while we're lifting weights and like play on his iPad and stuff. And I have to remind him like, go over here and do this, but we make it fun. And then, um, and he wanted to go, to go do it. And oh, by the way, I'm on Adam Chames' podcast. I've I watched his videos. He's made a couple of videos, but I haven't subscribed to his podcast yet. Let me see if I can find it. I talk a little bit about raising kids and um, how to do it. And my big tip is to listen to them. Let's see if I can find it. And dead air, dead air, dead ant, dead ant, and. Oh, planttrainers.com, planttrainers.com. He's vegan. And on that note, I'm mostly vegan. I'm vegan enough that people who eat the standard American diet, the SAD diet, uh, would choke on what I eat. And then people that are vegan would be pissed at how much meat I eat. But I am definitely plant strong. And actually, I've lost seven pounds in like a week, which is a little bit too much. So maybe um, maybe a week and a half uh, eating starch-based. Where if you Google the starch solution uh, by McDougal, uh, watch some videos about that. Um, basically, if you eat like an Asian peasant or a South American native uh, or a Native American native before the um, before the uh, the Europeans uh, landed on top of them, then uh, which is basically uh, starch like potato, corn, rice based um, with a, just the tiniest bit of meat. If you if you uh, feel like you need some, which you probably do, uh, some meat mixed in for flavor. And veggies mixed in for flavor and fruit mixed in for entertainment. Um, if you think about it, that's how uh, rural Asians eat, for example. And you don't see any fat rural rural Asians <laughs> or fat people in India. You know, they're all skinny. Um, so then, um, but what you, in his video, it's pretty cool. You see, uh, he posts some pictures of um, royalty. English, uh, European royalty, and those are the people that it, we we in America eat like royalty used to eat, um, you know, a few hundred years ago, and the royals are all fat and puffy and and uh, you know whatever, and um, so it seems like you you uh, 
this is just a theory, so don't go do this unless you're crazy like me. You eat um, a little bit like a peasant, and that'll keep you thin, and, uh, you know, rice and corn and, and uh, tortillas and potato, all potatoes, man, uh, based. And then uh, to supplement on top of that, to do what you want to do in life, uh, you eat fancier stuff like um, meat and, well, fruit's always nice, lots of fruit, uh, but meat and dairy and stuff like that as needed, nuts definitely um, are nice as needed, and it seems to work out pretty nice. Um, then you got your carbs and your energy to do your, your working out and all that, and you feel good. But, um, oh, and then um, their thing is uh, no extra, no added oils to anything um, because that just adds empty calories. And that's what I've been doing lately, and it seems to be working really well. I'll give you an update in the next few podcasts, see if it sticks. But my weight's been dropping back down to race weight. I'm pretty close. Um, and let's see. Oh, so I did that trail running yesterday with that weight vest, 25-pound weight vest. And I uh, went running today because Kai wanted to go do something outside. So I'm like, why don't you ride your bike and uh, I'll run with you. And we, I ran for almost an hour. And holy crap, I was beat up. Beat up from that thing. It, it's like I had run. I didn't wear the weight vest today. I'm saying from yesterday, yesterday's run, wearing the weight vest. Today, today I was beat up. And that's awesome. Uh, I was telling Adam, I sent him an email because I'm coaching him for a 50 miler. I'm like, consider getting a weight vest because I only ran an hour and a half yesterday, but I feel like I ran like three hours, man. Like, holy crap. That's pretty brutal. Um, And let's see. Let's get to our emails here, everybody. Cool. We got donations. You can donate to Zen in the Art of Triathlon. If you feel that this podcast has helped you out with your training and you're like, man, Brett is so kick-ass with how hard he works making the show and the time he takes doing it because this takes a lot of work and he puts himself out there and it takes a lot of risk to put what you think out there and what other people may make fun of you for how hard you try and, and what you're doing. So I feel like I'm going to pay him back because his information is freaking awesome. And you you do it by going to the left side of zentriathlon.com. Hey, Suji. Hey, kitty, 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 kitty. You go to the left. <laughs> okay. Well, Suji walked away. I think he's getting hungry. You go to the left side of zentriathlon.com. That's my cat. And there's a donation link for uh, PayPal. And you can do a one-time donation and leave a little note in there about what's up. Or you can do a recurring donation. Either way, you do that. And if you ever send me an email or a note asking um, for coaching tips, I will give it to you because I owe you because you helped support the show. And I really, really appreciate it. These donations to the show are huge. Absolutely huge. Um, they, uh, I mean, huge as in benefit. So um, there's just a, uh, this nice, slow, light trickle of money uh, that comes into PayPal just ever so gradually. And then when an unexpected triathlon bill comes up, hey, cat, quit eating the plant. Hey, get out of there. Get. I'm going to get you to your plant. 
that's how that's how he shows he's hungry as he starts being bad. He starts eating a freaking fake plant over there in the corner. Anyway, um, so there was something. Oh, I just registered for uh, Galveston seventy point three, and having uh, some money in PayPal from these donations helped convince Emily that it was okay because I had a little bit of money to help pay for it. So um, these these uh, donations really really do help. So let's go ahead and read some of those. Uh, Joseph Rogalski. Hey, Joe. What's up, man? And John Burns and M. Webb, Tyler Moyer, John Taylor, Elizabeth Davis, Spiros Fetsis. <laughs> I never know if I'm saying his name right. Spiros or Spiros? I think I got Fetsis down. And... Um, Brett Hoyer. Oh, Spiros is from uh, Chicago, and he's the guy's behind Amphibian Multisport. And um, Chicago has awesome, awesome Greek culture and Greek food. Some of the best I've ever tasted in my entire – the best I've ever tasted in my entire life. In fact, Chicago has some of the best food I've ever tasted anywhere, and I've been uh, a few places. So uh, if you're ever in Chicago, go check out both Amphibian Multisport – and some Greek food. Uh, Brett Hoyer, best first name ever. Il Sonior, Melissa J. Boudot, Dwayne Morin, Julie Callahan, Joseph. Well, Joseph, you're in there twice. Joseph Rogalski. <laughs> I coach Joseph, Joseph, so he's um he ends up being in there twice. Uh, then Christopher Allen and Daniel Stark, and Ken Soderquist. And let's see, we got a one-time donation with a message. Um, those were all recurring donations. Uh, Stephen Simonson, and his message is, thanks, exclamation point. I'm long overdue with this, dash. You've been super helpful, not just with the podcast, but also responding to random questions on Twitter keep it up. Yeah, I do that too. But please don't overwhelm me. I only got so much time in the day. But yeah, I answer questions on Twitter too. I like doing that. Um, rarely stumped. Rarely. But still get stumped on occasion. Um, but I usually know somebody that can help you and post uh, send you their way. And also, another great way to support the show is getting Hornet Juice, which is some super cool stuff. And... I just got another order from uh, Sid Garza Hillman, and you can definitely respect him. He knows what he's doing, and uh, he's into it, so he, he re-upped on it, which means it works for him. And also, um, all it is, it's really, really simple. It's an amino acid blend that helps you start metabolizing body fat, and it gives you an extra boost for a long, 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 long time. It gives you extra calories in your bloodstream that you actually don't have to digest, so it's easier on your stomach. You can digest you know, your fuel um, because more fuel, basically, basically you're more power to your legs because, hold on, Kai's, uh, hey, I'm recording, dude. Okay, quit making faces in the glass. Hey, I'm recording, go away. Hey, what do you want for dinner? Oh, I lost him. <laughs> I pretend like I'm mean to him sometimes. Go away. Oh, 
Uh, all his friends are coming in to the house now. Let me close this door. All right. So, uh, uh, oh, the hornet juice works like this. Um, the amino acid signals your body that, hey, let's metabolize some body fat. And the body fat gives you an extra, let's say, like 100 150, 200 calories naturally, like out of your body um, for fuel so that it gives you extra power while you're working out and erasing. And man, you can feel it. It really, really does work. Um, I had a friend just use some in a marathon and he said it really freaking worked. It was crazy. He had tons of energy. And um, each packet is about 60 calories, so that's not enough for you to um, fuel yourself on. You're still going to have to eat some calories while you train, but what it or, or race, um, and you shouldn't go low. But what, it, what it does is it gives you an extra boost on top of the calories that you already eat, and it makes you feel like a freaking diesel submarine, man. It's just this unending uh, power that really levels you out. It, it boosts your energy, but also levels you out because it's body fat. And so, let's say that you kind of underfuel for a few minutes by accident. Well, you're not going to crack. You're not going to crack and implode because you're still fueling yourself with this stuff. It's really, really cool. So that's called Hornet Juice, and it's on the right side of the show page, zentrathlon.com, and it's um, one packet lasts an hour and a half. I mean, that's a lot. So what I would do is get some and then. Train with it some, so you kind of know on like big training days, and then um, and then use it on race days for sure. But you want to train with it some, so you get an idea of how how it works. And it's uh, super cool stuff. Okay, and I've got a message from somebody that used it and sent me an email back uh, from Carl. Uh, doing fine, Brett. Thanks for asking. Oh, if you if you get some, I send you a personalized email. Say hey, what's up. <laughs> How's it going where you're where you are? What's it like training in Nova Scotia or in the Florida Keys or in India? I swear, man, I get orders from all over the world. It's absolutely crazy. Um, I love the ones from Australia and New Zealand too. That's so far away. Um, I have heard about enough of your hornet juice plugs that I felt like I might be missing the boat if I didn't step up and give them a try. And keep up the great work on the podcast for what it's worth. I follow you on Zentry and Tawny Prazak, we need to get her back on the show, on Endurance Planet. I always look forward to both. By the way, um, I might be going to San Diego this summer, and that's just a an hour and a half or so from where Tawny lives, and she lives in like an Orange County or something like that, and uh, so this summer, we might be hanging out with Tawny. So, okay, well, that's enough for this podcast. Um, let me list off some interviews we got coming up. Uh, TJ Tollickson, Steve Fleck, who's an announcer for races. So cool. All right, that's it. Everybody stay safe out there. Work the uphills, cruise the downhills, and keep the rubber side down. Out. <laughs> <laughs>